In this special episode, it's our look back at the best in pop culture for 2018. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey there, it's Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. And welcome to this special episode featuring the best in pop culture for 2018. We rounded up some of our favorite recurring guests, plus new ones too, and asked them to talk about their top five for 2018 as we touch on all aspects of the pop culture realm and so much more. And you know what? Josh Peterson and I interject with our own thoughts as well. So sit back and listen in on some great conversation as we share our thoughts on the best in pop culture for 2018. But I couldn't have a top five in pop culture for 2018 without my good friend. He is the host of Smoking Hot Confessions, the podcast, and also the website. You got to check out Smoking Hot Confessions today on Apple Podcasts and over two dozen different podcast outlets. Plus also for all the great recipes, grilling, and so much more, you got to check it out today, smokinghotconfessions.com. It is my good friend who is really smoking hot right now over in Australia. It's Ben Arnaud. What's going on, man? Oh, mate, I am melting. It's a, it, it's the middle of summer over here. It's uh, 7.30 p.m. my time, and we're still sitting at about 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So, uh, mate, I am sweating buckets, absolutely sweating buckets. Well, like I tell you, if Las Vegas is colder than you, that's that means I'm going to tell you right now that's that you must be suffering, and <laughs> it's going to be a warm Christmas for you, it sounds like. So I will say this, though. It is great to have you here because I did want to hear your thoughts as not only – the man in the know when it comes to barbecue grilling. The man in the know when it comes to great cooking podcasts with some deep insight on barbecue and the barbecue world has as far as grilling, grilling ideas, cooking ideas, and all the deep insight you have. But I'm eager to hear your thoughts, my friend. What are your top five in pop culture for 2018? Well, I've I've sort of stuck to my uh, stuck to my niche, I guess. Um, so just sort of looking at uh, at, at barbecue stuff. So uh, for starting at number five for me, it was definitely the um, the formation of what we're calling over here our our barbecue family. So one of the goals for Smoking Hot Confessions for 2018 was to get a bit more serious about about the competitive side of the competition barbecue. So it was something that I'd always done, but I hadn't sort of taken too seriously. So I met a couple of fellas and uh, we all just sort of clicked and we really got together and um, and sort of put together a Smoking Hot Confessions take two or version two, 2.0. There you go. So that was Anthony Stewart, Cody and uh, and Nigel. We went to Burley Barbecue Championships, which is uh, it's my local competition. I've been there for 2019. It'll be five years straight I've been there and uh, have always sort of finished around the middle of the pack. Pretty decent sized competition, about 40, 50 teams. But uh, with the new lineup and the new approach to competitions, we pulled a second place in chicken, a fifth place in seafood and actually managed to finish fifth overall. So to get a top 10 finish um, on the on the first run of the new team, we're really excited to uh, to. Uh, stare down the barrel of 2019 and and see what that brings. So for me, that's number five of my top five list. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations for that and continued success. I know things are always looking up for you as far as your competition and what you go ahead and face, but also how you end up because you've competed not only in Australia, but here in the U.S. as well. I have, yeah, and it's uh, you know it's that old expression, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So, uh, you know... <laughs> 
it's all just a bit of a reflection of the work that the whole team's putting in. So that's uh, that's really good. Number four is a real recent one. It was just a few weeks ago. I actually got to fly across the continent to uh, to Perth, and I was um, part of the uh, part of the official team for smoking on the water over there. It's a it's a charity organisation that organises um, barbecue festivals to raise funds for local charities. So I got to be the MC. I got to uh, take some video cameras around and shoot some videos with local businesses and competitors and things like that. And so just to be a part of that was awesome. And I'd never actually been to Perth before. So it was fantastic to see the other side of the country. I really enjoyed that weekend. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. How is it over there? I mean, if you could just describe Perth, we have listeners to radio stations down there, but to those around the world that are not as familiar with Perth, you know, what were your impressions of Perth overall? Mate, it was so friendly. Everyone over there was just lovely. Now, like I, I grew up in, in small country towns. Um, I live in a pretty big city now, but uh, I, I grew up in small country towns and that city feels like a small country town. Everybody walks up, looks you in the eye, shakes your hand, says, g'day, mate, how you going? And uh, it's just, it, it's got a real hometown feel to it. I, I felt like I belonged straight away. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, but what's yeah, your number I, three, my friend? Number three is Kangaroo Valley. So there was a barbecue festival down there just a few weeks before that. And that was a really special one for me because I used to visit Kangaroo Valley with my grandfather about 25 years ago. And he passed away just about three or four years ago. And so for me, it was great to not only be part of that festival that I'd been wanting to get to for, for about three or four years now since it started. It's been on my list, but I just never managed to get there. But so I was able to tick that off my uh, off my bucket list, but I was also able to just sort of walk around the town a little bit and sort of get all that nostalgic feelings and sort of remember those good times with my grandfather. So for me personally, that was just a really sort of touching weekend. And I got to link it to barbecue, which is my absolute obsession. So that was uh, that was just the icing on the cake. Oh, that's awesome. As someone who, like you, you know, it has those fond memories of of fathers, of grandfathers, of just being able to go ahead and and connect in that fashion, and just being in a place where it brings back those memories is just awesome. And like you said, it all ends up with you at the barbecue, so it can't be bad at all. Exactly. Yeah. Which brings us to number two. That's going to be releasing season three of the podcast. So that's the U.S. road trip. So for me, that was the culmination of um, solidifying some really serious relationships and. I got to hear some incredible stories. So in, in one of the episodes, I talked to, the, to a lady from the Salt Lake um, in, at, from Driftwood, Texas. And she talks about how just between Thanksgiving and New Year's through their mail order service. Now, I'll just let that sink in. Mail order brisket. Uh, to me, that's just unfathomable here in Australia. <laughs> but just between Thanksgiving and New Year's, they move 11,000 briskets every year just through their mail order. You said 11,000, is that correct? I did say 11,000, yep. Wow, that's amazing. And that was your number two, correct? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the, the other big story I got to uh, enjoy was um, I got to meet, I'd, I was walking through uh, New Orleans and uh, I just visited the LaLaurie Mansion and I was walking back up the street there and there was a lady sitting on the front step of her house and I just asked her a question, just checking something that uh, the tour guide had told us in the morning. And it turns out she's actually a Hurricane Katrina survivor. So we got talking about how I'm completely obsessed with barbecue. And then she started telling all these amazing stories about the important role that barbecue played post-Katrina because nobody had power. Nobody had, um, you know, everybody had all this food in their freezer and then no way of cooking it. 
And so all these grills got dragged out of garages or, uh, or you know, out of basements and whatever. And once the water had uh, had seceded a little bit, and they all just started cooking and sharing all the food around because they had no way of, of of keeping it. So barbecue really played a key role in sort of keeping the city together. So that was that just blew my mind. That story. And that's awesome. That's an awesome story because you've seen New Orleans that have have done everything they can to try and recover from the after effects of Hurricane Katrina. So that's definitely admirable and great to hear that barbecuing in many ways helped revitalize and get that process started as far as the healing process is concerned. Mate, it's been part of our culture for as long as we've been human beings. And it's not really surprising that when the chips are down, the barbecue comes out. But that basically leads me straight in, into number one. So my, my number one for 2018, and you did touch on it before, it's got to be representing Australia at the World's Barbecue Championships in Houston, in Texas, at the Houston Livestock Rodeo Show. Surprise, surprise, I'd never been particularly good at sports as a, as a young fella. I've always enjoyed my martial arts, but um, I've never been like a real competitor. And uh, so to actually have the opportunity to represent my country was just, uh, it was just amazing. And we were talking before about the hospitality of people and you meet them and they shake your hand and they look you in the eye. I got to tell you, man, Texas is another place. Strangers would just walk up to me and go, oh, you're the Aussie team. Great to meet you. And then we just have this big conversation and, you know, look me straight in the eye, shake my hand and welcome to Texas and all this sort of thing. So that was life changing. And so the real highlight for me was I was able to take my wife and son on that to, on that tour, on that trip. We hit Texas. We went through, uh, flew into Dallas, down to Austin, Houston, across to Louisiana, to New Orleans, and then up into, uh, through Arkansas, up to Fort Smith. And all the way along, we were stopping at different barbecue joints and meeting different barbecue people. And that's how I put the podcast trip together. But yeah, man, i got to say that Houston Livestock Rodeo, the World's Barbecue Championships, that is an absolute blast. It's all for charity. It's raising money for uh, underprivileged kids who want to go to college. And the figure I heard was in four days, the festival raised $27 million to help those kids go to college. Well, that's so amazing. To, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So just to have been a part of that and just to know that I contributed to that and was able to share that not only with my family, but then also with the listeners through the podcast, that just blew me away. It was completely life-changing. Well, that's great to hear. And it's great to hear that also you were able to connect with so many people in the Texas area and all over the United States when you visited here and to see that barbecuing helps people come together and has that healing and also friendly atmosphere that it breaks all those barriers. And it's just great to see what barbecuing and grilling can do for you know society as a culture from you on one side of the world to over here on this side of the world, just great to see that that barbecuing helps people connect from wherever they're at. Absolutely. As I said before, we've been barbecuing for as long as we've been human beings. And so it's it's programmed into us. It's in our DNA. And uh, it's it's little surprise that that's what that that's one of the things that that binds us. Oh, that's a great list. Almost as great as when you're talking to me about all the great stuff that's going on in with your grilling recipes, with all your great ideas that coming off the grill, I'm almost as hungry as when you talk to me about that stuff. So I'll tell you what, that's some great ideas. And that's a great list you have of your top five in pop culture for 2018. But I got to ask you one last question, my friend. Why do people need to catch the latest season? In fact, all the seasons that are available now 
for the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. And of course, your great site, smokinghotconfessions.com. Yeah, well, the the season three of the podcast, that's what's out now. And uh, it's 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 been the culmination of about 12 months work. So I was um, laying foundations for relationships, solidifying them over 12 months, and then going over there and actually meeting the people in person, recording as many interviews as I could in person. Some of them are over the phone or over the internet after the fact. But yeah, it, it all lines up through there. And it, it's essentially, it's an investigative podcast series, I guess, into barbecue. So I'm exploring three different states in America. I'm learning as much as I can about what differentiates the different styles of barbecue, which is a hot topic here in Australia at the moment, as we're sort of trying to, we're playing catch up, I guess, on the on the development of barbecue. And so for a lot of people out there, when we think American barbecue, we just think of one thing. We go, oh, okay, American barbecue. But I mean, there's there's 14 different styles of Texas barbecue alone. So traveling through through Texas, talking to different people about all their different styles across to Louisiana, I learned about Couchon Delay. And I've got to tell you what, I'm heading back to Louisiana in April and I'm going to be looking for some Couchon Delay because that just sounds amazing. And then, of course, uh, up into Arkansas, which is a big chicken state. Chicken is their big uh, is their big meat. So just learning about all the different ways that all the different people do things and some of those great stories that I started to touch on before. Every single one of those people just has just incredible history with barbecue and incredible backgrounds and incredible stories. Just to listen to the stories alone is, is worth tuning in. Once again, it is Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You got to check out his podcast, season three. And if you haven't checked out before, his previous two seasons before that on Apple Podcasts and over 20, actually, I'm going to say over two dozen different podcast outlets. And if you want great ideas on grilling recipes, plus also some great articles, you got to check out his awesome site today, smokinghotconfessions.com. My friend, it's been great talking to you and hearing your thoughts on the top five of 2018. I know you and I are going to be speaking again real soon about some more great grilling ideas because you know what? I have to ditch the diet every time we do so. But you know what? It's all worth it because some of the great ideas that you have, always great to talk to you about that and just so much more. But I cannot thank you enough for being a part of the show and sharing your thoughts on pop culture for not only 2018, but every one of your appearances so far this year and previously. We just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do so. Well, mate, I just want to just throw all that straight back at you and say, mate, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me be a part of your show and, um, you know, take over my my little segment and just uh, talk about barbecue all the time. It's been great to be a part of it all. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, my friend. And my best to you and your family and everyone down there in Australia this holiday season. Just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do so. My best wishes to everyone down there for a happy holiday and an incredible 2019. Thanks, mate. You too. Take care and stay safe with your family. To you as well, and thanks again for being a part of the pop culture cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun 
or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Well, coming up next, we've got Haas from the Voice from the Underground. He's going to share his thoughts on the top five of 2018. We just truly appreciate everyone that has been inputting their top five in pop culture for 2018. We've assembled some of the best podcasters from around the world to give their thoughts on the best things that have intrigued them and fascinated them, excited them over the course of 2018 when it comes to pop culture. But I cannot have a list and I cannot have a group of podcasters come together with their thoughts on the best in pop culture of 2018 without one of the three guys that are out there that make up the voice from the underground. You got to catch their show today on Spreaker, also as well, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so many other different outlets. It is my good friend, and he is definitely one that I want to hear exactly what he thinks when it comes to the top five of 2018. It's Haas from The Voice from the Underground. What's going on, my friend? Joe, how's everything? Everything is great here. It's been a great month listening to not only your cohort in crime, Mr. Dutch, he's already oh, waiting in his thoughts. I'm and, sure. And uh, I, I know you're, you're going to be excited to hear that. I want to hear you, my friend. What are your top five when it comes to pop culture in 2018? It's, it's funny. I've got a range. I've got, I've got a couple of items from very early in the year, and I've got a couple of things here in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to just right out the gate, I got to go with Black Panther as my first just mammoth pop culture item of the year. I mean, it sparked so much conversation universally, and it was so much uh, sub-conversation within the Black community about all of the meanings. I, I literally had to go and see it twice. I had to see it twice, and I think if I saw it again, I would pull some more nuggets out of it. It was such a multi-layered movie. As I said, it, the universal conversation and then the, the sub-conversation in, in different cultural groups. I mean, you know, amongst Blacks, it was, it was something that was picked apart. I mean, we really delved into Killmonger's character and the essence of his motivations. Was he right? Was he wrong? Did he have good intentions but just go about it the wrong way? Really deep. And then on a personal level, leaving the movie the first time and seeing young white kids trying to use African dialects because they're, they're Killmonger or they're Black Panther or they are, you know, I saw a little white girl. She, was, she wanted to be uh, T'Challa's sister. It was just amazing to me to see that. And the movie was so well done. Oh, um, absolutely. It's up for a Golden Globe nomination already. And there's a lot right. of talk that it has an Oscar chance as well. That would be amazing. That would be, especially from a quote-unquote Marvel superhero movie to be an Oscar. To, just to even have the rumblings of a uh, of an Oscar buzz and to have a Golden Globe nom is it just speaks to speaks to the power of the movie. And you're exactly right when it comes to Shuri. She has been such a beloved figure since Black Panther. I think a lot of people were disheartened to finally realize that at in the trailer for Avengers Four that unfortunately right. she has uh, succumbed to the snap or whatever they're calling it, yes. the decimation yes. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I will tell you, Black Panther is a historic movie for many reasons. 
And suffice to say, it is definitely one of the best movies of the year. I think pretty much a lot of people can say that. I think that's an outstanding right. choice. But I know you got a lot of other picks as well. So I want to hear yeah, that. Yes. And you know something? This next one, it jumped, it leapt onto the, I mean, because we've been talking about coming on for a few days and trying to negotiate, figure out how we're going to schedule it. And literally in the last three days, something just blasted onto the scene for me. And I have not been this excited about a musical release in a very, very long time. But Ice Cube's new album, Everything's Corrupt. Oh my God, this is the kind of rap music we need. This is the kind of hip hop that's real. A couple of songs just leap out to me as soundtracks to the resistance, so to speak. Uh, he's got a song called Chase Down the Bully which really talks about an alternative, quote unquote, way to deal with some of these alt-writers and things like that. Those people who feel emboldened by uh, Orange Julius's uh, election and his rhetoric and things of that nature. And I think part of their being emboldened to action is because a lot of times on the conservative side, they view liberals as meek, as weak, and as docile, and that Democrats or liberals or people who are not conservatives are less likely to retaliate when run up upon. And Ice Cube's song, Chase Down the Bully, really says to them, when these people come up and seek to try to assail you in any type of way, to react strongly. And then he has another song called Good Cop, Bad Cop. And this song is actually an, an older song that he put on this album because it fits so well. You know, a lot of times, especially in, in, in communities of color, we talk about how are we supposed to know who the good cop is when the quote unquote good cop is watching the bad cop do those bad things. And number one, not saying anything. And if that cop does get in trouble, he joins in all of the other cops in the blue code of silence. So which one is the good cop then? You know, the one who's actually is, is the one who's not doing anything, but he's not doing anything in the aftermath either. The good cop or is he really just one of the bad cops that just doesn't join in the action? So that song is amazing as well. And there's, there's some other songs on the on that album that are truly speak to the communities. And, and I mean, even calling out the black community for some of the things that that we need to do better. So it's a great great album for now for young and older people because it, it harkens us back to that older type of hip-hop it speaks to today, today's issues on a bunch of levels so i really am excited about that album i couldn't agree with you more on that as far as because there is a wide gap of of what was successful in rap and hip-hop in the 90s and mm -hmm. what most people perceive as successful rap here in today's measure with I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, the mumble rap, obviously. The, mumble the, rap. Yeah, the the uh, music that's, you know, I guess Drake has set it apart more than anybody because of his universal acclaim, his universal success, all the things yeah. that he's earning on it. Sometimes it's great to get that flashback from artists such as Ice Cube, Ice-T, you know, the, the list goes on and on that are still performing today that both right. you and I have heard so many times right. in the past that we keep telling the youth of today, hey, this was what we were used to. This is what emboldened us. This is what made right. us feel good when we were listening to rap. 
Not to say it isn't bad. Yeah, yeah Scorpion I, was a good album. Scorpion was a good album. I liked it. So, you know, but it's, it's just uh, when we talk about substance that used to be in, in a lot of rap. I mean, Kendrick Lamar speaks to things. J. Cole speaks to things. We have a lot of artists out there that still speak to it. But for Ice Cube to put it so plain in this album was just amazing. And I thought it was great. It does show this kind of divide that is from old school hip hop to today's different style of rap and hip hop that's out there. Hopefully that we can get enough people out there to just appreciate both for what they are and appreciate the messages that are within both that both are trying to deliver. But that's right. actually an excellent point. I'm just so happy that you're getting to also the audio portion of pop culture because it's so mm -hmm. great when we hear music and everything else representative, not just films, TV, and what so many are used to when it comes to right. pop culture. But you got three more, my friend. I've got another recent one that just really was powerful to me. It's a movie and my fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, we are in a national partnership with March of Dimes. And this was actually a fundraising effort of ours. So everybody who came out to watch this movie with us, a portion of your proceeds, of course, a big portion actually went to March of Dimes. We really thank you all for that. Mighty Mew Mew Lambda chapter. That's my chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. We went and saw Green Book. And a lot of people, including my wife, she did not know what a Green Book was. It was fortunate for us my grandmother was in town from Houston shortly before we went to see the movie, and she talked about taking my father to Washington, D.C., her and my granddad, and having to use the Green Book to travel from Illinois to Washington, D.C. And my wife, her eyes were just like big as saucers. Her mouth was wide open, and she's like, she did not know what it was. And I'm like, that's how we traveled safely up until the 60s and 70s. This, this, this was not that long ago. I mean, my, grand, my grandma and granddad took my father to Washington, D.C. in the 60s. So, you know, this wasn't that long ago. And the movie, the character development, the arc of the characters, you really need to see this movie. It is something that what I got, what I got from it is this. You know, it's so easy to be divided over these social media platforms. But in, in like in the case of this movie, these people are in a car together. And they're traveling throughout the, the south of this country. And they're in this car for hours and hours and hours. And what always happens when people are put together, you find those threads of interconnectivity and you build bridges on those threads. And that's what this movie really, really spoke to. There were differences. There was a wide chasm. They, these people couldn't be more different. And... They found the threads because of their being forced to, together. They found these threads of interconnectivity and these bridges were built. And a person who didn't even want black people's glasses to be in his sink in the beginning. And a person who thought that this person driving his car for him was just the most uneducated Neanderthal in the world. They became lifelong friends as via the experiences they, they took through this trip. And you I think that this is so great for people to see because maybe it'll inspire people that are from seemingly disparate backgrounds and areas and things of that nature and political ideologies to actually sit down and try to find those threads of interconnectivity. I think this movie could be a good inspiration for that. And speaking to that, in the theater with us were so many non-persons of color 
in that theater to watch that movie. And I thought that was very inspirational and very hopeful because I just felt like, well, if we got all of these people coming to see this movie, maybe there is some hope because maybe some people came to that movie because their wife or their husband forced them to. And now they'll have some inspiration to maybe open their palm a little bit and reach out instead of just being so quick to type something or to ball a fist. Mahershala Ali, I tell you what, since Moonlight, he has burst onto the screen out there. Yes, he's, he's, doing, he's doing True Detective. He's doing Alita Battle Angel next. He's got he's done House of Cards since then. I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. his career is skyrocketing. And obviously, he's backing up with performance after performance. And yes. his performance in this one should not be understated in the slightest whatsoever. Right. He's he's come a long way since Predators. <laughs> yeah, I, I, believe me, I sat through that one a long time ago when it came out. And uh, yeah. I, well, okay, that that's another story. Let's, let's let's just go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere yeah, else. Okay, we're still I've got two more. Here. We're on yes, the best I'm... of 2018 here. So, <laughs> tell you what, I've got, got two more. You got two more. So lay it on me, man. Yes. What's up? And you know something? These last two. What's funny is they kind of uh, parallel each other. So the first is the continuing conversation that is being had about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and, and peaceful protests against police brutality and, and, and systemic inequalities and things like that. We've continued in 2018 to have deep, meaningful conversations, both in people's homes, on social media, and in the media, print, digital, television, regarding this, this issue, regarding Colin Kaepernick, regarding the issues of police brutality, and systemic inequalities and that and things of that nature. And the staying power of these conversations is something that should be acknowledged because when he first took that knee in 2016, many people thought on both sides of the issue that it would just go away. And they thought it would fade into the background and they thought that it would be over with. And sure enough, here we are two years later, still having these conversations. And I know personally for personal experience, that through having these conversations for this length of time, there are people whose minds have been changed. Those conversations about from what Colin Kaepernick has done, and I think that that, that staying power regarding what he's done and the continued blackballing of him by the NFL is going to put him down in, when history looks back as one of the transcendent historical figures of our time. But you've right. got one last- I got one more. Got one more. And this, one, this, one, this one is a little political, but it's on the hilarious side of political. And it, once again, it speaks to the longevity. The SNL cold opens are still killing. They are still so funny. They are still so relevant. And part of that is, I guess, SNL and the writers and everybody, they constantly get so much fodder to pull from. It was still funny. I'm not tired of it because it's not like they're pulling old information and trying to retread it and make it funny. This is stuff that's happening week to week, day to day, that they are making light of. And it, 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 in the black comedy circuit, it is said that what we're doing is making fun of our pain a little bit, laughing to keep from crying. And what SNL is doing is basically, hey, let's laugh at this to keep from crying. Let's laugh at this to keep from screaming out in frustration. Let's laugh at this to keep from pulling our hair out. 
the longevity of the relevance of, of those cold opens is still something that, I mean, because people still talk about it on Sundays. People still talk about it on Mondays. So I just think that that was one of the great things about 2018 as well as that, you know, those things didn't get stale. Well, that's a great list right there for you, my friend. But I've got one last question for you. Why is The Voice from the Underground the podcast you want to listen to for everything out there when it comes to pop culture, political discussion, and a whole lot more? People connect with our podcast because it is so conversational. It is so down to earth, but it is so unvarnished. It is it is definitely raw. It is not polished. It's, you know, we try to stick to a little bit of a agenda, but a lot of times we let that conversation flow and let it be honest. So if you like an honest podcast that's going to have a little bit of courageous conversation, The Voice from the Underground, the podcast is for you. And once again, you can find The Voice from the Underground, the podcast at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and over two dozen different podcast formats. And again, it's Haas from The Voice from the Underground. It's been great having you here, my hey, friend. Thanks Jerry. for having me. Thanks again for being a part of the pop culture cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Well, in our continuing search for the top five in 2018, I've asked podcasters and special guests from around the world to share their thoughts on various things within pop culture. One of the things I also wanted to cover on this week's show was the top five in professional wrestling for 2018, because still to this day, professional wrestling to me is a very deep-rooted part of pop culture. And here with me today to talk about his top five in 2018 when it comes to professional wrestling is a big part of the IndyCast. If you want to check it out today, just type in Indy, I-N-D-Y, cast, K-A-S-T, for the series of great shows covering the awesome universe known as professional wrestling out there. It is Chad Allen. Greetings, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me on. I definitely uh, appreciate the invite. I think I'll probably pick some interesting ones out there because... Obviously, my show being so geared towards the independent scene versus like the the main WWE type setup, I hopefully I'll have a twist, a couple twists in there that maybe a lot of people aren't expecting. And that's what exactly I'm looking forward to is because of that. Because I know for many, well, not as many as in the past, but I know for many, there's the WWE is the be all end all. And even though ratings have declined considerably over the past couple of years now doing right around the 2 million mark as far as on their regular shows, Raw and SmackDown and whatnot, there still is a bevy around the world of independent promotions and great wrestlers out there that maybe not everyone gets a chance to see. Sure, definitely. And and hopefully, and that's kind of what we at the, the show try to kind of promote is that there's a lot of people out there that you're probably not seeing right now or that you're, like you said, the mainstream fan may not know about that they're going to know about pretty soon here before long because... WWE, as, as you've probably noticed in the last few years, has done a pretty darn good job of scooping up anybody that starts to become a big name on the independent scene and put them on their shows. I'd like to point out Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, EC3, all these guys that are starting to make a really big impact on like NXT and the like 
and will be end up at main eventing their shows in the next few years. Started on the independent scene and, and were making a big name there before they got the you know the quote unquote call up. So let's see. So top five. How are you? How are you wanting me to handle this? Do you want me to start from the bottom and work my way up? Or sure, let's build some suspense. I want to. Sure. I want to hear some suspense as far as building up because I just let everybody out there. I have not heard his list. He's not presented to me in any fashion. So I am just as eager in anticipating your list as everyone else. And I'll be honest, here's here's the even funnier part for you and a, a little backstage for your people. I haven't even fully pondered a, a top five list myself. So this is really off the top of my head right now. So <laughs> the people I'm giving you are definitely the people that are at the top of my mind right now as it comes to wrestling, which is actually why I'm picking number five right now is a name that I think in the next year, especially from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are going to be talking a lot about because it's supposedly the rumor is he's getting signed by WWE. He was uh, formerly on uh, Lucha Underground for the past couple seasons. He's even one of our podcast compadres right now with his Swerve podcast. But Shane Strickland is easily the fifth best wrestler going in wrestling right now. And if you don't know Swerve, you should be going online to look up MLW, which wrestles mostly out of here in Florida and out of New York. The show itself is amazing. But Strickland is easily one of the best people out on the scene right now. An absolutely amazing talent. Like I said, WWE is supposedly looking at him, which would not be a dumb thing for them to do in the least because he is that talented. Number four, Jeff Cobb is easily the number four wrestler going in, in the scene right now. Cobb is huge, but athletic. He actually, I think the best comparison I can give him, he's almost kind of the modern day version of Bam Bam Bigelow, but better. Big, quick powerful, can just do amazing things in the ring, and was playing Montanza on Lucha Underground, which is kind of where he got really noticed by a lot of places here. If you're not looking up any of Jeff Cobb's stuff, you, you should be, because he is that damn good right now. He actually is a great talent. Like you said, a lot of this Lucha Underground type of influence for a show that you and I both know may not hold over for the test of time because of its high cost, its high production value, sure. and its different type of format. And also the network it plays on, El Rey Network, doesn't always garner the highest amount of viewers. So the future for that organization might be limited, but the talent that has come through there, obviously Ricochet is probably, aka Prince Puma, is the... I guess the shiny example of that, but there's still a ton of talent there that has progressed quite nicely throughout the world and a great future for many of those stars. And I'll, gi I'll give you a little bit of a teaser here because this episode's not going to go up for a little while on, on, our, on my network, but we uh, just uh, recorded an interview fairly recently with Sonny Kiss, a.k.a. Exolicious, who made his debut on Ring of Honor this past season. And we do talk a little bit about possibly the history and the future of Lucha Underground, and without giving away too much, Exolicious feels like the, the future might be pretty bright for that company. So I still think we've got, hopefully, at least another season. I think my co-host, Zach Romero, was joking about six seasons in a movie, I think, was his, uh, was his joke that he was going with there. So hopefully they can go with that, because for those of you that do watch Lucha Underground, they definitely set up a bunch of cliffhangers at the end of this last episode, which definitely would make it interesting to see where they're going with it next season, if they get one, obviously. Number three for me, I, I have to finally give WWE a little bit of credit here uh, somewhere along the way. I won't go completely indie on this one, but Tommaso Ciampa, who I mentioned earlier, is not only probably one of the best wrestlers going nowadays, but I will probably fight anybody that doesn't believe he is the best heel going in wrestling right now. 
there is nobody that gets people angrier that I've seen out there nowadays. But legitimate, like, anger and hatred when he walks out. I'm a little mad they gave him theme music recently because I thought walking out with the no theme music was the biggest heel thing you could do in the world. But Ciampa is... And for a guy that's been doing this for quite a while now, to be hitting his stride now is absolutely amazing. But I love Tommaso Ciampa, and I love what he's doing in NXT. So got to give him credit where credit's due. And he's had some incredible matches with Johnny Gargano, and he's also had some incredible matches with others in the NXT. His matches with Gargano was, was amazing, but actually I think I'm one of the few people that actually liked his most recent match with Velveteen Dream more than the Gargano matches. I mean, the Gargano matches have history, so you've got a lot of like you know backup to go with that one, which makes which makes a lot of difference. Don't get me wrong, but I thought overall as a match win, I actually really enjoyed his match with Velveteen Dream even more. That's an excellent choice. He did have some great matches with Johnny Gargano, but you're right, Velveteen Dream just added onto that list that he can have another excellent match with someone other than just someone he's so familiar with. Definitely number two in this one here. Another guy that's had an amazing year, and I'll go to the main event roster for this one finally. you got to give it to the Kingslayer. Seth Rollins definitely comes in at number two. I don't know if Rollins can have a bad match with anybody. I'm sure there's somebody out there. I mean, he might have to fight Lars Sullivan at some point, so there could be the bad match, I guess. But if if there's a bad match for, for him, I don't know if it's through any fault of his own right now. I am hoping with the rumors that I'm hearing that uh, maybe a main event slot at WrestleMania is in his future, that they continue with that because I think I totally think he deserves it. Well, he is so athletically gifted, even after a devastating knee injury. Although just before he had that knee injury, he was just so awesome as champion with such a diverse style. He still incorporates much of those high risk maneuvers into his style of wrestling It's all a question if the fans want to get behind him because the WWE at this point is, in my opinion, a desperate need of a top-shelf, high-impact star to really get things invigorated for 2019. And Seth Rollins could be that person that could get that whole thing started. And you know, the funny part is I completely agree with you. I think the biggest problem with the WWE lately is not necessarily finding the fans somebody to get behind. It's actually finding them somebody they feel like they can get behind and, and actually you know, present in such a way that it keeps the fans interest. I think they could have had that a year or two ago with Finn Balor and he, well, obviously he got hurt, but him coming back from that injury could have been like the, when, uh, what year was it that uh, Triple H came back from the injury and ended up winning the title from, I think it was Jericho. Oh, when he had that quad injury? Yes. I think it was what was WrestleMania 18, I think, if I remember correctly. But it made Triple H one of the biggest names out there because he is coming back from this injury, and they built it up, and they built it up, and he came in like a house of fire. If they had done that with Balor, if he came back from that injury like a house of fire and took that belt right back, he'd be a big name out there now. But they lost confidence in it and didn't do what they should have with it. Chad, I respectfully say this. If we were to talk about WWE booking decisions of the past five years, <laughs> much less the past 25 years, you and I would be doing a marathon until next Tuesday at the you, very least. That's all you I'll let say. Me, you let me know when you want to do that. We can make that a thing. I'll so, need lots of caffeine, though. That's true. Number one, I think almost anybody that's watching not just WWE, but watching all wrestling has to believe that 2018 for match-for-match, top quality, even broke Meltzer's star rating 
if you don't think this is Kenny Omega's year and Kenny Omega is not the number one wrestler, you're going to have to fight me. This has been Omega's year to just show that he is, I think, quite honestly, the star he always thought he was. And now everybody's, I think, starting to see it, too. I'll give a 1A on this one here, which I probably shouldn't do, but Cody Rhodes deserves a 1A because Cody Rhodes took a what was just a god-awful WWE career and has just put a rocket on his butt and sent him up into the stratosphere. But Kenny Omega just barely squeaks him out on that one. I think Omega, this is Omega's year. Kenny Omega right now is at the top of the game. His match, like you said earlier this year, many of his matches already in the past three, four years have been truly off the chain. Like you said, Dave Meltzer creating a new star rating for his match earlier this year. One of the best matches I have ever seen in my life. I cannot agree more. But with Cody Rhodes, like you said, he has brought the level of independent wrestling, the stature up tremendously with the elite, with all in, you know, the whole nine yards, bringing up him, Omega, the Young Bucks, that whole thing when they, they got Hot Topic, their shirts were just flying off the shelves at one period of time. It's been great to see him progress into that type of wrestler because he's always had that potential. You could see it. Like you said, he was just misused in the WWE if I only had a, a dollar for every time I could say that. But no, no, true. But I will say Kenny Omega, I cannot agree with you more, is the top yeah. professional wrestler on the planet right now. Definitely. That's my top five. If you agree, you don't. Hey, find me at IndyCast. You can you can argue me there. So That's right. That's at IndyCast, I-N-D-Y-K-A-S-T. But I want to ask you one last thing, Chad. Of Why course. do people need to listen to all the great shows that are part of the IndyCast? Well, we're part of what's called the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network, which you can find us, by the way, if you want to follow our social media. You can find me at IndyCast, like you said, I-N-D-Y-K-A-S-T. We have to have the weird spelling. Don't mind us on that. But we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, if you find us on Tinder, swipe right. But ultimately, you can find us on all that, but you can find the show at soundcloud.com slash WNRN. Or you can search IndieCast or Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. We're on Spotify now, I'm very happy to say. We're on iTunes. Pretty much anything where you can find your podcast catcher, you can find us on it. Why should you listen to us? Well, for the IndieCast, we call ourselves the most consistently awesome independent wrestling pop culture with a little bit of splash of crass sprinkled on top. It's actually one of the few shows that I've seen out there that's actually hosted by two married couples, interestingly enough. It's myself and my wife. My co-host, Zach Romero, and his wife, Luna, and we tend to mix it up on all sorts of topics from the local independent scene here in Florida to the national independent scene with groups like Chikara. We have guests on constantly. Like I said, we have an interview coming up with Sunny Kiss, a.k.a. Exolicious, but we've had Rich Swan, Sue Young, Brian Cage, Bob Evans was on this past year. We've had a litany of amazing guests on. And then if you, know, you don't want to just talk wrestling all the time, for instance, our last couple episodes, we found a tournament that was Christmas movies that somebody had put up there, and we spent two episodes arguing over Christmas movies. It's just something different, something fun. We try to keep it interesting. We're not a real hard-hitting, star-rating type of show. And then with our other shows that are on the network, our friends at Team Hammerfist run a show called The Power Hour, which covers more of the, uh, the WWE, but they cover a little bit of their own the kind of fun side of it, too. And to keep the nerd portion of it going, we actually also have a show that comes on from time to time that's called Monster of the Week, which is a 
kind of a role-playing game that's kind of like if you watch Supernatural or if you remember watching the old Scooby-Doo episodes where it's, a, you know, the one monster at the beginning of the episode and you're investigating through it. It's a lot of fun to listen to that, too. And like I said, we're, we're trying all sorts of new and different things. And it's definitely worth coming over, giving us a listen, see what you think about it. And, and like I said, interact with us on social media. We love talking to anybody that uh, we call our dozens of dozens that listen to our show. Once again, it is Chad Allen from the IndieCast. They're available now on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and numerous other podcast outlets. And check them out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and well, my gosh, you're you're out there just like we are as far as thank the you. social media versus concerned. That's all you you just got to keep doing it. And thank you for you know having us on. Like you said, the the one way that listeners find us and can find you guys obviously is when we get chances to do stuff like this with everybody. I'm always big on hashtag support indie podcast. So I'm I'm glad we get to uh, hopefully share some listeners here. Absolutely. I hope everyone goes ahead and checks out your show. And I thank you, Chad, for taking the time to be part of the show. Happy holidays to you and the entire crew at the IndieCast. And thanks so much for being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. We're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald coming right back at you here. And continuing our series of the great podcasters that are around the world sharing their thoughts on the top five in pop culture in 2018, I couldn't even have someone count down a list without our good friend here from The Voice from the Underground. You got to catch it today on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and over 30 different podcast outlets just like ours. You got to listen to the show if you're into politics, you're into pop culture, you're into a great conversation between three great guys that are out there. I've got one of them here today. It's Dutch from Voice from the Underground. Hey, Gerald. That, who's, who are the three great guys? Because I haven't met them yet. Oh, uh, well, the, they're the guys that are actually on the show that actually have their names attached to it every time <laughs> I see it pop up on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I, we appreciate it. I'm blushing, blushing. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yes, if you could only hear that and see that on the radio coming through right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking and I'm reaching out to podcasters from all over talking about their top five pop culture, whatever in is 2018. You know, it could be anything that just, you know, spoke out to you. I'm really interested to get a gauge of what podcasters are thinking about when it comes to pop culture. So without further ado, my friend, take it away. Hey, I'm happy to contribute, my friend. A great, another great idea by the Pop Culture Cosmos, as usual. So I'm guessing you want us to go in reverse order here, Gerald. So I uh, guess to build up the suspense for everyone listening out there. That's what we'll do. We'll build up as much suspense as possible. So first of all, number I, now I will say, and, and I almost want to give an honorable mention here, um, I have a feeling that Aquaman would be on this list. But the freaking movie's not out yet. But the trailers look awesome. So definitely, I think that will will make the list. And I will say Creed 2 probably just missed it because that was a great film as well. 
But my number five is actually one that I'm going to be a little critical of because I think it can be a lot better. And that is the DC Universe app. So the DC Universe app was launched about four or five months back by DC. And there's a lot of cool content on there, especially if you're a fan of the DC animation. The Death of Superman, I guess it's a movie. It's about an hour and 20 minute uh, cartoon that is on that particular application and, and came out earlier this year is awesome. It is not quite true to the Death of Superman Omnibus comic, but it is really, really close to it. It uses a, a more current iteration of the Justice League rather than the, the Booster Beetle, Guy Gardner, Ice and Maxima, Bloodwind iteration of the Justice League that was in the original uh, Death of Superman. But it's really, really good, really well done movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Wonder Woman's a badass in that, so love it. So the D- But I will say that the, the best part about the DC Universe app is the ability to download comic books. And that's the thing. That's why it makes the list. Because this is something that I think is really unique, really cool, really new. And DC's on to something here. Now, there's a lot of negative about this app, too. You know, there's not a lot of content. It costs probably a little bit more than it should. I haven't watched Titans yet, but at least to be able to read comic books, instead of having to drive down to my local comic store, download them right to my phone. I'm reading an uh, Infinite Crisis right now. So, or I'm sorry, Crisis on Infinite Earths right now, which is awesome going back in time. So love that one. Number four is actually a podcast. The pop culture. No, I'm just kidding. You just missed the list. It's actually a new podcast that started this year. It's called Business Wars. I don't know if you've heard of this one yet, but it is absolutely fantastic. I actually looked at the name of the narrator earlier, and now it slips my mind, but he does a great job. They've covered such topics such as Southwest Airlines versus American Airlines, Marvel versus DC. They've covered uh, Nintendo versus PlayStation. You know, there's been so many different cool topics that they that they talk about. And what they do is they basically go back all the way, you know, to like the 60s or 70s, or in the case of Ford versus Chevy, back to like 1905. And they talk about how the company started, what happened in the boardrooms, like obviously not verbatim, but close to what's going on with it. You learn things you never knew about these companies and the people behind the companies. It is an absolutely invigorating listen. And I highly, highly, highly recommend Business Wars, which is a wondery podcast. So maybe a little too many ads for my taste, but outside of that, great. Number three. So I'm a big Cubs fan, and I will tell you that while I think the Cubs didn't have the greatest year this year, even though they did go to the playoffs, I'm very happy that for the first time, I want to say in franchise history, the Cubs went to the playoffs for the fourth consecutive season. Now, if you think about it, the Cubs hadn't gone to the playoffs between the 1945 World Series and the 1984 National League East Championship team, the Sandberg team and the Sutcliffe team. So it was great to see this team, you know, starting to evolve itself into an every year consistent baseball team for once in my freaking life. It is amazing. And again, I didn't think they were probably good enough to go to the playoffs this year. Somehow they won more games than last year, and they obviously lost in the wild card. But nonetheless, continuing a great trend for the Cubs, my guys, my boys, the 2016 World Series champions, and looking for another one next year in 2019. 
So well, they got to get going with the winter meetings here because it looks like the Mets, uh, Washington is getting a, they're all both, they're both getting a lot of pub on what their, their maneuvers are doing right now. Trades that they're doing free agent acquisitions that they're signing to Atlanta and whatnot. Uh, you know, my angels and your Cubs are uh, just got to get the, a little bit of the fire in their belly to try and get some uh, thing done as far as the winter meetings are concerned. Probably two of the most guilty teams in history of signing guys that are, you know, just past their prime. You know, it's guys who are entrenched in mediocrity. So I think both teams have gotten away from that a little bit. And I'll tell you what, the Angels have some pretty special players on that team. One of them uh, happens to have the initials MT. So I will say this, and that's correct. Mike Trout is just truly a, a superior talent. And it'll be a shame if he never goes gets a chance to go to a world series uh, i just i would really be disheartened if that was the case well he will it's just that when he signs with the cubs uh, in a couple of years uh, then he'll go. <laughs> so there you go but, there you but go. yeah the winter meetings again not to get off on a tangent here as we do so often on voice from the underground but the winter meetings we are looking forward to so that'll be big and you know Bryce Harper Machado Blackman are going to be the guys to keep an eye on there and hoping the cubbies can grab one of those guys. So number two, and I'm cheating a little bit here, Gerald, because this was released on December 29th of 2017, but I didn't watch it till 2018. And it's close enough, right? Like Aquaman, we'll probably talk about that next year. Black Mirror. Black Mirror was off the chain. It was amazing. I loved pretty much every episode of it. Black Museum and USS Callister, probably the best two of those and um there was a couple of other good ones uss callister definitely was uh an outstanding one museum one was actually a great way to close it out too with the young lady who uh actually did a great job in black panther yeah just you know her performance in there gave like a little precursor to what she was going to do in black and black panther so that was obviously something to look forward to there and i think uss callister is actually either being spun off into a show or received some type of award just it really? got a lot of notoriety uh, as far as uh, something in and of itself so i think there's a lot of future going forward for that specific episode as far as either branching out or them delving into some sort of aspect with that, you know, particular episode. It's, it's possible. Maybe what those, what those, and, and they're not really people. You have to watch the show to see what they are, but what they do once they are released from the guy who looks like the fake Mac Damon, once they're released from his clutches. So uh, it, that would be probably an interesting story. I'm not sure how different it would be from, you know, the Orville or Star Trek or all these other shows, but, it is going to be a spinoff series. Oh, okay. That's a, well. I'll definitely have to take a peek at that because that was one of my favorite episodes. And actually, every episode of Black Mirror is really good. Uh, and and it's it's hard to it's hard. My my mind sort of wants to assimilate all of the different four seasons because you know I watch them very close in conjunction with one another. But I mean, there's just been so many episodes, and it's really a show where you have to digest the episodes. You want to watch seven in a row, but you kind of, if you watch, you're like, holy crap, I have to think about what is it that I just saw, you know, and the social ramifications of everything that, you know, it's sort of a dystopian sort of society. But if if your listeners have not paid attention to Black Mirror and maybe if they liked the Twilight Zone a little bit when they were younger, you got to watch Black Mirror. Black Mirror is so good. And Netflix, I think, just released uh, or just accidentally released the, the release date for the upcoming season five. 
and it's looking like it's going to come out right before the new year again, just like they did last year. So number one. Now, I haven't mentioned any Marvel movies yet, okay? And I know that your lists are going to be inundated with Infinity War. And obviously, I loved Infinity War, but I wanted to only put one Marvel movie on here, and it's got to be BP, man. It's got to be Black Panther. Black Panther, to me, all these people are who are saying that it shouldn't, you know, if it wins Best Picture or it's nominated or anything that it gets as far as the Oscars go is only going to be the, you know, uh, a social justice award because of the blackness of the film. And it just has to get one because it should. Guess what, people? You're dead freaking wrong. This movie is fantastic. It's one of the best superhero movies that I've ever seen. And it's because it's not really a superhero movie, kind of like Logan in a way where it's a superhero movie, but it's not this, the social messages are there, but there are so many dynamics on this. And we're actually going to break this down and get into the the social impacts and the social messages of Black Panther right around the the one year anniversary. It's going to be a fantastic show, but the movie itself, every time you watch it, you notice something else like, God, I didn't see that before. That has impact in real life. This is something that you actually see that, you know, and, and sometimes it's it's right wing stuff and sometimes it's left wing stuff. But and obviously an integral movie to the MCU as well, which I love. But Black Panther, Ryan Coogler, can't say enough. Absolutely fantastic. And it easily, easily takes the cake for me in 2018. Well, there you go. That's a tremendous list. That's your top five for 2018. Once again, it's Dutch from The Voice from the Underground. You got to check it out today on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets. But don't take it from me. Take it from Dutch. Dutch, before we head on out, man, you got to let everyone know why they need to check out The Voice from the Underground. Well, because you have nothing better to do, um, number one. (laughs) (laughs) But number two, we are an indie show, and what we do, our format is a little bit different than most podcasts. We are not a niche show. What we do basically is we'll cover something fun, something from the world of pop culture like video games or comics, that sort of thing, movies for sure. But also we'll talk about something important. So we kind of split the show up, sometimes 70-30, sometimes 60-40, and we'll talk about something important like politics We'll talk about social issues. We'll talk about a lot of race issues. We'll talk about socioeconomic issues. We talk a lot about 45. So, you know, there's there's something really for everybody. And we sort of do, a, I think, a really great job of finding uh, that mix. And, you know, we, we give actually a lot of other podcasters a forum who may not have a show that focuses on politics or tougher issues to talk about and give them a forum to come over and talk about those things on our show. And then we'll talk about something fun as well. You know, like I said, to, to sort of give the listener a broad spectrum of things to, to think about and to digest. So uh, that's what we do. And um, we, we're just over a year now. We're going into our 66th episode next week. So check well, us that's out. That's awesome. Uh, absolutely. Check it out. I've actually had the privilege of being on their show. Three or four times yeah. yeah and, and I love it each and every time. Whether you talk about politics, like you said, social economic issues, social issues, social media, sports, pop culture, video games, movies, you know, you, whenever I'm on the show, we you just cover the whole entire gambit. I have a great time. It, it's just an awesome podcast. 
and everybody needs to check it out. It is the we got to go back and we got to go back and check out our issue our episode from January where we did our predictions for 2018 and see oh how, see that we got every single one of them wrong. So <laughs> that's always a lot of fun. And thank you for everything you've done for us and being such a great friend of the show. Oh, that's awesome. It is, it, you know, it's, it's my pleasure. And, and likewise, it's just so great to have you on the show here, being on the show there and checking out your top five of 2018 right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Voice from the Underground. Continuing our series of the great podcasters that are around the world sharing their thoughts on the top five in pop culture in 2018, it is my good friend. It is Jason Todd Feinberg. Man, it's just so great to have you back on the show talking about your greatest things that you love this year in pop culture. Well, thank you again for having me back on the show. And this is a great idea because as 2018 comes to a close, I love my top fives. What can I really discuss? And when I originally produced my show, Hunnic Outcast, it was grab bag. So we came up with this idea of the top five pop culture topics that kind of had an impact for 2018. So without further ado, I think you're going to really like what I came up with. For number five, I decided to stick with a Switch. And here's why. What I love about... Nintendo, how they finally made up for what they did with Nintendo Wii, is the Switch is giving players what they wanted. But they did come out with two new games. You've got Pokemon Let's Go, which is pretty much a remastered version of Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, or Green in Japan. And not only can you play full Nintendo game Switches on the go with the uh, with the Switch, but you can also hook it up to a cradle where you can play it on your big screen, which is a PC monitor or HDTV. So that helps. You can finally play Pokemon old school on your television set. And if you have the Pokemon Go app, you can transfer your Pokemon onto Let's Go. So if you want your Mewtwo, where you don't want to go and get them after you beat the game, you can incorporate them, which is great. And it also comes for an extra 50 bucks this Pokeball, which will come with Mew, and you can play with him right away. And you can also transfer him into the ball, and while you're walking like Pokemon Go, you get steps and you can actually level up the Pokemon. And let's not forget the Nintendo's greatest game since Mario and Donkey and whatever is, of course, Smash Brothers. Now, with Ultimate coming out in a few weeks, if you purchase it before January 31st, 2019, you will get a code to download the Piranha Plant from Super Mario Brothers. Now, this is a big deal because the Piranha Plant has always had cult status. It reminds people of Audrey 2. What's great about this character is that it will breathe out poison 
It uses his pot as a weapon because it's a potted plant. It, it's not coming up to the warp pipe. And it also uses vines and it has a chomp attack. And there will also be, as you know, with Nintendo games, they have those amiibos. There will also be a piranha plant. Now, the character is not coming out until February 2019, but you only have until January 31st, 2019 to own a copy digitally or buy a physical copy to get the code. So that's number five. Number four, well, the DC Universe. This has been a hot topic since Christopher Nolan reinvented the wheel with Batman and then left and everything has pretty much gone to hell. You and I discussed uh, Justice League last year. There are talks right now this year that the DC Universe, even though Wonder Woman 84 was announced and we have Shazam coming out in a few months and we have Aquaman coming out in a few weeks, there are rumors that all the other movies, because Harry Gavil, Mustachio, has left Superman, and be, and as well as Ben Affleck, although Matt Reeves is still attached to write and direct the Batman. So because of this, the DCEU, God knows what's going to happen with... The Shazam trailer did come out, which I was very impressed for, because it seems to be what Superman Man of Steel should have been, or Superboy. And DC, or I should say Warner Brothers, rushed out the DC Universe app, and of course... Kevin Smith seemed to be fanboying all over this, but all the comics that you could get through the DC app, you could still get through your library application or Comixology. It, 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 there's really, and as for the TV shows and movies, you can get on other sites. Even Bad Blood has been put back on Netflix streaming. So DC apparently is going to be coming out with original content, but not until next year. In the meantime, you have Titans, but... Titans, sadly, is not the Teen Titans that we're accustomed to, and there's a lot of cursing, uh, uh, really cardboard cutout acting, and the Teen Titans Go movie, I finally had a rent on Amazon Prime, and it took me five days to get through it. it was, there was only like one good segment. DC is struggling. However, I will say this much, the Diamond in the Rough seems that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo had come back between last year and finished up this year with a Dark Knight's Metal series where Batman is in dark multiverses and he's trying to come into Earth-1. And there was also a great story where he becomes a hybrid of Joker and this Dark Knight Mad Max villain. And it's really, really interesting. The Tom King stuff that had come out last year and this year, especially with the war and riddles of jokes, it's not, you know, it took me a long time to get into Snyder. And now that I go back and I watch it, you know, watch that I go back and read his work, I really appreciate what Scott Snyder gave us. Tom King tries, but trips over the finish line. But I feel that there might be hope. It, it's feeling that Warner Brothers and Disney, which goes into number three, we have Disney right now, where Disney literally. I made a comment about this in 2013 that they were going to buy Warner Brothers. Well, Disney has purchased not just Star Wars, and now they have Indiana Jones, and now they've purchased the remaining 20th Century Fox properties, which is most of the characters that were owned by 20th Century Fox. But this deal also seems to include Planet of the Apes, Alien, which I kind of wonder if the Alien Queen will 
be come back and be a Disney villain. There, there's controversy over this. Planet of the Apes is also it'd be interesting to Disneyfy it. I'm gonna say Predator as well. There, there's been a mix on that, as well as Simpsons, Family Guy. But of course, as we know, the Family Guy has made fun of. 20th Century Fox, and they made fun of Star Wars. Simpsons also called this as well, so I don't know if attractions are going to be moved into the Disney parks, as Disney has already announced a Marvel Land in Disneyland, not as well as Star Wars Galaxy Edge in both Disneyland and in Hollywood Studios, which will have these interactive rides that once you go on the rides, you can have a special card that the ride will continue as long as you're in the vicinity of the parks. And let's not forget, we're going to get an MCU version of X-Men. Now, this could be interesting. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Dark Phoenix has gotten pushed back and the other reason why New Mutants got pushed back. Reading the Infinity Gauntlet, I know that Doctor Doom and Silver Surfer had parts in the comic, and there were rumors that Silver Surfer was going to make a cameo in Infinity War, maybe Infinity War Part 2, as this deal is not going to be finalized until early 2019. But it had been announced this year that it was done, that Universal, I believe, was there was no way Universal was going to be outbidded or they were going to win. The problem is now Disney may become too powerful, even though they have all these characters, and a lot of characters are leaving for the 10th anniversary, which will finalize this summer with Avengers 4, what's next? I mean, even if they have all these characters, there's a certain point where the MCU is going to either reset itself or implode. And there are rumors that Hugh Jackman may make a final appearance, but we don't exactly know how all this is. And the final thing would be Futurama, because Disney was interested in bringing that back. So... The possibilities and the combinations of what Disney's going to do with not just Marvel characters, but with the other franchises that are coming along as well, what a Disney-fied Planet of the Apes will 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 be like Twilight, will be like you know, like what they did with Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton. Will he direct it again? As as we've seen the trailer for Dumbo, it's a lot of combinations and possibilities, which brings us to number two. Marvel itself, because Marvel knocked it out of the park with Infinity War. They had three movies per usual, because that's what they're doing now. But the problem is, Infinity War was hyped up so much, and it didn't disappoint. But the problem is, is that Black Panther, the rumors now, is that they may try to push it for a Best Picture nod, which is not unheard of, and there's no, and Dark Knight should have gotten a nod as well, but it was more of a crime suspense than a superhero movie, but but Marvel right now, the the only, you know, golden peanut would be, sadly, Ant-Man, which felt more like a Disney Channel, or a 1980s magical world of Disney. People like me were still coming in wearing their Infinity Gauntlet shirts, and talking about Infinity Gauntlet, to the point where it was like, okay, well, we still have Ant-Man and, and a possible Captain Marvel trailer, which just came out yesterday and a few days ago, because there were two versions of this trailer, a teaser and then a, you know, a second trailer. But the problem now lies, which sadly 
we lost Stan Lee. Now, 95 years old, understandable. He lost his wife. There were all these internet rumors that were true that sadly he was not being taken care of by certain people that we're not getting full stories about that. This hit people hard. So when it finally did turn out that he passed away, there were no words. It just hit all. And I'm sure with the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out in a few weeks, it will be a memorial to him that he has a cameo. He always had a cameo record, Ralph, too. And people in my audience were just like gasping and crying over that more than the ending of record, Ralph. So, yes, it, it has hit people hard. This was going to be number one, but my number one is, we speaking of deaths, but it's not a comparison. I just want to make this clear. But we've lost a couple of Disney animators. We've lost the writer to Princess Bride. We lost the star of F Troop and Mama's Family, Canberry. But we also lost President George Bush. Now, I'm going to be honest and as fair as humanly possible. It's not a question of me being a Democrat or Republican or a conservative Democrat or a liberal Republican. The thing with George Bush was George Bush, I felt, was probably the next to last great president even though I was a kid at the time, but there was just always something about him that I knew that George Bush, though, with his age and the loss of Barbara, he wasn't going to last much longer. And I feel that it's hit people harder now than it was then. And, he, and even when you would see him on TV now, you just kind of knew, but we're never going to get a president like Bush ever again. And to me, I feel that's just tragic. So your number one in pop culture was George Bush. Yeah, well, and the, the deaths of all the other celebrities, but I mean, technically George Bush, you can count him as a celebrity. There was this great moment where George Bush bashed the Simpsons, and one of the writers wrote a letter, and it made it sound like Marge wrote it, and wrote to the Bush family, you know, saying that we're the dumbest thing alive, I don't think is fair, and, and, and wrote the, And Barbara Bush actually got the letter. And she read it, and she sent a nice little apology and ended P.S. Tell that Homer Simpson he's a handsome fellow. Remember them bringing up that that yeah. letter. Yeah, if you if you have, I think it's, it's the season six or seven DVD of The Simpsons. It's it's one of them where you can just uh, Google it or YouTube it. it. You you can find that feature in the season set, or you could just you know Google it, download it. But it, it really was a nice little. I mean, after. The Read My Lips, No New Taxes would show up a couple more times in uh, clips. Or if you remember with Hot Shots, where Charlie Sheen is, is flying and he's blanking out and they just play because he's hallucinating because he takes off his oxygen mask and you hear George Bush read My Lips, No New Taxes. It, it was a thing that really, really caused snowballing. But he did show up a lot on TV. And, and let's not forget, his daughter Jenna Bush is on Good Day America on NBC. So say what you will, class act all the way with President Bush. That was probably one of the most interesting top fives I could probably hear. And who better to provide it to us than my good friend, Mr. Jason Todd Feinberg. One last question I got to ask you, my friend, on the way out here is you've got a great show in Honey Queen that you go ahead and present to everybody out there. Give everybody the lowdown on what's going on with Hanukkah and why they should stay tuned to your next episodes. We will be back to do a couple of 
episodes for December. One of them will be Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. And boy, this is a giant turkey. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, oh, I have so much to say about this fluster cluck of a franchise that's lost world up till Fallen Kingdom. Also, with Christmas, I know people seem to be bummed out with Christmas music 24-7. I'm going to be releasing, hopefully by next week, so that'll get your mind off of Christmas if you don't like it. For me, it's therapeutic, but for you, if you want some really good Halloween songs, I got 31 of them, and trust me, yes, Dokken' Dream Warriors is in there. And for New Year's, well, I did discuss this in 2014. I've decided to discuss... Food Fight, which was the... Because as you know, with Record Ralph and Record Ralph 2 and with Toy Story 4 coming out in a few months, Food Fight was supposed to be like those movies where we were going to take mascots of supermarket brand names or generic brand names and they come to life in a supermarket when all the humans go home. But the bottom line is this is possibly one of the worst animated movies to try to topple Disney or Sony that I've ever seen. So I'll be back sometime after New Year's. But I thank everybody for your patience. I have not given up. I just, we had to take a small hiatus and it'll be another small one over 2019. But you can find the show, as Gerald said, on Podbean and anywhere that you Google and find the podcast. And the email is honicfeedback at gmail.com. Or Twitter at honeyqueen.com. And again, thank you, Gerald, and thank you everyone for listening. And I really do appreciate it. And we do as well, because it's always great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back at the show once again, continuing on our theme of the top five in 2018, you heard from Chad Allen earlier. Now I want to get another perspective on the pro wrestling scene. He is the host of Pop Anime Comics Lounge, which you can catch today on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and so many other different podcast outlets. I truly want to welcome a great guest today. It is Andrew Davis. How are you? I am doing phenomenal. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's great to have you on, and thank you so much for adhering to my request for for you know people that can come out and just share their thoughts on the professional wrestling scene. I spoke with Chad Allen earlier of the IndieCast, and he shared his thoughts on the top five in 2018. So I'm eager to hear your thoughts on the top five as well, because it, it just seems like there's so many great opinions out there. Uh, you know, not just wrestlers within the world wrestling entertainment, but also very much so outside of it. So I want to hear your thoughts. What is your top five in pro wrestling for 2018? So my number five is Johnny Gargano because the matches he's had even prior to, I mean, since really 2007, going all the way, all the way through 2018, every match he's had at an NXT takeover has just blown off the roof. 
And the guy is Johnny Wrestling. And whether he's a face or a heel, I can't help but want him to succeed. And the amount of work and effort the guy puts into wrestling, you can tell. And you could tell with every strike, every grapple, every move he does. And just the storyline. And I feel that his heel break is way better than his face run has ever been. And how his matches with Aleister Black and Tommaso Clampa have just done showcase what wrestling is and what it will become. He has had a great year. I do agree with you. His matches with Tommaso Ciampa have been awesome. And you're right. He deserves all the credit world and an outstanding choice for number five. And my number four is very similar, but he's more on the indie side, and that's Effie. But Effie is the first, one of the first queer openly wrestlers. But he had a decent run in 2018, and he's just had great matches with Sue Young and many other people, both men and women. And he comes out in a very infeminate way, but he is a brawler, and he means business when he comes out. And he had a fantastic match with Joey Ryan earlier this year before Joey Ryan got hurt. And he also has that LBGTQ element going, and he's really showcasing, you know, that LBGTQ plus community is just as good wrestlers. And I think they're now starting to get a lot of attention, and he's at that forefront. And he's soon enough getting a TV deal because of everything the guy has done. That's an excellent choice. And that's exactly what you're supposed to do as a wrestler. Not only just get over yourself to an audience, to whether it's worldwide or within an arena, but also you're supposed to help your opponent get over as well, regardless of the outcome. Just the fact that he is breaking new grounds as a gay wrestler and the fact that he's not just using that as a tagline, but also he's crediting more his in-ring style and his in-ring work and persona even more so that it's standing out to a lot of people and a lot of people are taking notice. And I think even to expand upon that, because I've had conversations with him, he gets a lot of hate and then actually people see him in the ring and like, I'm sorry for hating you. He's going into matches where people have an opinion on him because of his lifestyle choice. And then later on they say, you know, I'm sorry. I was heated in the moment. You are a great wrestler. And I think that's something that really showcases how good of a wrestler he is. And I don't know if there's anybody else right now in 2018 and even going into 2019 that can do that. And so my number three, and she had a bit of a rough year, but I still think she had an amazing 2018 is Nixon Noel, also known as Tegan Knox in NXT. And the reason why I choose her is whenever she is healthy, she is arguably one of the best women. I think she's the future of women wrestling. And just in the May Young Classic before she got hurt, she was putting on amazing matches. And that match before she got hurt, I believe it was with Tony Storm, was a great match between the two of them. And every time she sets in the ring, even and her teaming up with Dakota Kai, the two of them have just tore down the house. But she was supposed to win the May Young Classic. And there's a reason why she was supposed to do that, because she can hold her own every match. And I think that she's the future of wrestling. And I think that in 2018, she shows that when she's healthy, she knows what she's doing in a ring. She knows how to win over a crowd. You could tell that she loves wrestling and that she really loves this industry more than anything else. Triple H is betting on her in many ways. 
I'll tell you what, she is an outstanding talent, even in a sea of great lady wrestlers that are out there in both the NXT and the WWE. So that is an excellent choice at number three. And then continuing with these women, I think Becky Lynch is number two by far. She wins it on Twitter alone because that entire concept of the man and then the challenging of Seth Rollins for the title of the man and how that created a lot of buzz. And we talk about wrestlers getting over, but the fact that Becky Lynch got over on social media before she even said in the ring, I mean, she's been carrying the entire SmackDown brand. And she's really one of the reasons why a lot of people are only watching SmackDown right now, having this attitude where she's the boss, she's the man, she's the wrestler to beat. I think that's the only reason why she's at number two is because when you're carrying the entire blue division and you're the most interesting star on SmackDown and that to some degree, you're the most interesting star on Raw and you're not even on Raw's roster with Nia Jax, the fact that Becky Lynch got Nia Jax over because Nia Jax injured her and the fact that Becky Lynch is over on Raw when she's a SmackDown star, I think is the reason why she is so good and she is really the top women's wrestler right now. Well, I could argue with anyone that currently the most over wrestler in the WWE is not maybe a man, but it could be the man in Becky Lynch. <laughs> You're not going to get a disagreement from me on that one. See, number one's tricky for me. And the one I want to say, some people might agree with, some people might not agree with it, but I want to say the Valvadine dream. Every time the guy has an NXT takeover event, he just keeps on exceeding my expectations. And he's already won me over. But his match with EC3, his match really for the North American Championship, all of his moves, the fact that, you know, I think this year he had, you know, call me up Vince on his tights and he just has pure athletic ability and he's got the whole package and his match with the uh, Clampa. I mean, the fact that the, I think he's only 23 or 24 at this point, And the fact that he brought Clampa who is at this point, a veteran in the industry and arguably one of the best NXT champs. And he pushed him. And the fact that the Valveteen Dream has pushed the NXT champion and was within milliseconds of winning the title and being the face, I think just speaks volumes of what the guy can do, what he's going to do. And I think that in 2018, he's proven that he's the future of this industry. Within the next two, three years, I mean, he's going to be, I think, a world champion in WWE because he's that good. Well, Velveteen Dream is an excellent choice. I tell you what, he has got a world of talent. And seeing him firsthand, I just thought he was too thin, thought he wasn't sure we, he was. He might have a you know just a great entrance, and that's it. But you know what? He got in that ring several times in 2018 and outperformed everyone's expectations. Like you said, he's young. He's got a lot of experience to actually still get. And once he gets that, the sky's the limit for someone like Velveteen Dream. Just... Excellent choice at number one. And I'll tell you what, that's a great list in the top five that you have right there. But before you head on out, Andrew, <laughs> I got to ask you a question. You got to let us know out there exactly why your show, the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, is the show to listen to for everyone out there for obviously comic books, anime, and of course, pop culture as well. So my show is a great listen to because I ask good questions. 
I ask tough questions and I get to the heart of things and I put a lot of effort and research into asking all my guests, whether they're voice actors, comic writers, artists, and I interview professional wrestlers and we start at their origin and we go all the way through as much of their career as possible. And we talk a lot about feuds. We talk a lot about getting into characters and we really get to know the voice actor or the comic writer or the artist or the wrestler and what inspires them, what drove them to wrestling, what them drove them to comics and then how they really perfect their craft. And with wrestlers in particular, since this is a wrestling show, what we talk a lot about is we break down feuds and we speak about, Hey, what was it like going up against this person? I ask a lot of interesting questions that I want to know the answer to. And since I'm a fan first, that means I'm assuming, and I hope everybody is with me on this. So we don't have to go spell out, assume here that if I want to know questions and I want to know what something's like with the wrestler that other people want to know that too and people feel comfortable and a lot of stuff gets revealed and it's just a great show and it's entertaining and you get to learn a lot about wrestlers that you didn't know and then when you go watch them on tv or you go see them in a show you know you know something about them you know what they're doing and why they're doing it and in particular with somebody like effie we spoke a lot about lbgtq wrestling sometimes trends are coming before they come and certain things might or might not be revealed on my show so that's also another good reason is that sometimes spoiler events, maybe six or a year out, are revealed on my show towards the end in, you know, the self-promoting part of my show. And you might get a sneak peek of an idea of what's coming. And you can know before everybody else does. Once again, it's the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, which you can find on SoundCloud today, plus also Apple Podcasts and many other podcast outlets. Andrew Davis, it's been great to have you on the show like to invite you back on again to come on to show it at various points in time, whenever you want to, to hear upon your knowledge about pop, uh, pro wrestling, pop culture, and just anything that's on your mind. Looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts in 2019. Anytime. And thank you for having me on. Just let me know whenever you want me on. And I'm happy to show up and continue to talk about wrestling because I love this stuff. So great to have you on the show and so great to have you part of the pop culture cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. We are back with the program. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. We are continuing our top five of 2018. So many great thoughts already from some great people all around the world. But I had to get this guy on and make sure he lets us know what his top five of 2018 is. He is the mastermind behind the ESO Network. 
You got to check it out today at ESO Network and ESOPodcast.com. All the great shows that are attached, including all the ones that he's a part of and been doing for so many years, including the ESO Podcast and just so many other ESO Podcasts that he's related to all the special events that they're a part of and everything going on in pop culture. He always a hand in knowing about, talking about, and reporting on, along with all the other great podcasts on his network, along with all of his good friends as well that help him out. It is also a good friend of mine and a guy that I just wished happy holidays to. It is my favor. Thank you for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your listeners. Thank you as well. Although our selections for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kind of deviated from what both you and I and also Kevin from the Flopcast kind of differed from all of our choices. Oh, very much so. But, you know, they're all good bands that get in there. And, you know, whoever's in there, you know, they are a diverse crowd this year. It, you know, you got the best of punk rock. You got the best of new wave. You got you know, more of a hair metal band, but you also had a diva and Stevie Nicks and you also had uh, Janet Jackson. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty diverse list indeed. Although I think LL Cool J and Kraftwerk, I think are trying for that Susan Lucci award as far as to see how many nominations they can get without being inducted in. So looks like they're on their way. Oh, exactly. As they'd like to say, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. This is true. Definitely in her case, it was for many, well, I think well over a dozen, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, need I digress? But, oh, of course. I, I do understand. They haven't nominated me for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet either, so it's okay. We got to put in your name for the Podcasting Hall of Fame. How about that? When they finally come uh, I'm out. I'm old enough to be, and I've been doing this long enough, maybe you're right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you're here to share your top five in 2018. So many diverse lists that have come up already. I know yours is going to be just as awesome. So, Mike, you got to share with me and the listeners out there exactly what is your top five in 2018. Okay, I'm going to have to start on a negative note for my five. And I'm going to go from five down to one. So the first one was kind of a reality check happened in August of 2018 with the shooting at the John Madden tournament in Jacksonville. We've always thought the geek community was always very solid. And I do count video games as a geek community. And even though it's a sports ball, you know, event and a lot of the geeks that I know joke about, oh, you like sports or whatever. Even if it's sports or video games or whatever, this shooting in Jacksonville was just completely senseless. And it was horrible just to see what happened. And it's just kind of really scary in a lot of ways, showing that something like this could happen eventually at San Diego or Dragon Con or New York Comic Con. You know, we're, we've been very lucky. And Dragon Con was a week after this event, and the police presence at Dragon Con was like none I've ever seen before. So it was just pretty amazing. Well, I want to say this. We are recording this a day before a charity event, the holiday game event at Retro City Games, which we're doing video game tournaments in Fortnite, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And in the past years we would just say hey we're gonna have a great time no problems no, nothing at all 
Well, I had to make sure it outlined the rules and whatnot because it is now in the forefront of my mind because we've actually done a charity fundraiser for the victims of Jacksonville at Retro City Games before. This is going to be even bigger with more people coming in that are not regulars of the store, not regulars as part of the community that's usually there. So we are a little bit more concerned and it does bring that to our attention. What happened in Jacksonville can happen anywhere. So it is a little bit on the forefront of our mind exactly when we do these type of events. And especially when now, when you go to a con of any size, of any length, and it's out there and it's just unfortunate that it's infringed on our geek culture. Exactly. And, you know, I'm a huge music fan, as you know, because we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and such. And look what happened out there in Vegas last year, you know, with the shooting. It was the Mirage. Uh, no, it was actually no. across the street from the Mandalay Bay. Uh, it's, That's it was, right. In fact, it was, it was used in the past for American Ninja Warrior in the past, among other festivities that were there. And fortunately, it just it was a terrible day here in Las Vegas. It's just a, a crazy world we live in right now. It's just so different from the one you and I both were part of so many years back. Mm-hmm, exactly. But you know, one more negative that I'm going to bring up for my next one, number four, and it's not really a negative because it is, it had a positive outcome was Kevin Smith's heart attack. And, you know, Kevin Smith is huge in the geek community. You know, he does now a podcast called fat man beyond because, because of his heart attack, he, you know, he lost almost a hundred pounds completely. And he's a testament. He was doing a live show. He felt a pressure on his chest before he went to the second set. He said, I need to get to the hospital. And he had a heart attack. They call it the widow maker. Not many people survive what he had. And it's just amazing that we still have Kevin Smith to enjoy. And it's just, it's pretty darn awesome. And out of something bad, this is good because for myself, even I'm not, kevin smith size by any means weight wise but even someone like my weight you know i'm 20 pounds overweight or something thought i got to take care of myself i can't keep on enjoying the lifestyle and leading you know 50 is pushing (laughs) real close and i've got to be around for at least another 100 years or so so you know it makes sense same here it does it was an eye-opener and it does make you want to make lifestyle changes For me, it actually took a look at what exactly I was doing with my life, and I had to get off as far as the the caffeinated drinks. I wanted to go ahead and change my eating habits, and it does make you think as far as if it can happen to him, it could certainly happen to anyone else. Exactly, and you just got to be very, very careful with that kind of stuff. That was So that was my next one, my number four. Number three has to be Infinity Wars. Definitely has to be Infinity War. The you mean biggest that little movie. indie movie? Yeah, that, that little, little movie, movie that maybe nobody ever mentions or anything. <laughs> the movie that just disappeared with a snap, you know, just like that. And it was geekdom from the very beginning to the very end, seeing that up there and to see the combination of 10 years of Marvel movies all combined with every almost every character they had from all the different movies. And it was just breathtaking. Everyone had their oh my god moment when Thanos snapped his fingers. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. So for me, it was just awesome. 
My co-host, Josh Peterson, talked about how the critic culture that we have in our society today sometimes can get too petty. One of those things I actually observed today, earlier this week when it came to Variety, I believe it was, or Hollywood Reporter, one of those, talking about the worst movies of 2018, and they specifically mentioned at the top of their list, Infinity War, and not because of the fact that the movie might have been bad or really anything outlined in the paragraph didn't really pertain to anything pointedly bad about the movie because it's actually one of my top 10 favorite movies that's out there this year. And I think it's a well-made movie, by the way. But this critic was pointing out that it was a collective groan from him who's had to endure the 10 years of Marvel superhero movies that are out there, which for him was like, I guess I could compare it to, and I'm paraphrasing, scratching on a chalkboard, which for us is just like heaven because, you know, as part of the geekdom that's out there and people who love pop culture, this is everything to us. This was a culmination of an event that I believe in every bit of my mind and so many others like me and you paid off and paid off in spades. Oh, exactly. And, you know, that gets into my number two a little bit because my number two, of course, is the passing of Stan Lee. And, you know, it wasn't a surprise. You know, Stan was 95, almost 96. And that's just amazing that we were, you know, given that kind of gift to have him for so long, a true ambassador to the industry. You could be a comic fan, you could be a movie fan, but you knew who Stan Lee was. And every Marvel movie you can count on a cameo by Stan Lee somewhere. And Stan. Ever since I was a little kid, he was the ambassador for comic books. He did Stan Soapbox. He was Stan the Man, the editor. He was Stan the Man, the writer. He's the reason I got into comics. The first thing I even remember reading was Origins of Marvel Comics by Stan Lee. And just reading the Amazing Fantasy 15, Fantastic Four number one, X-Men number one, Doctor Strange, Captain America... You can keep on going, and Stan was there, and Stan was the person to bring this all out. Stan, you know, pretty much is the Mark Twain of our generation. He created a full set of characters who are basically now the Greek mythology of a modern era. And it's pretty darn amazing when you think about everything this one man did. Yes, he had help. He had artists, and he had... Other uh, writers helping him out and such. But this is little Stanley who grew up in Brooklyn and he had an imagination and finally decided, I'm going to, in the early 1960s, I'm going to write comic books full time. So it was just amazing to think about. But the thing that bothers me about it and leads back into what we were talking before are these critics and such. People like Bill Maher or, um, other actors like who basically were like poo-pooing oh the problem with society is brought on by stan lee because he created these comic books that or movies that created really lazy fat ugly unmotivated people you know and it's just true because what they said you know the way they're saying it is I'm a successful person. I read comics and I'm very motivated to do stuff in life. And I've been reading comics since I was four years old. I also read literature. I'm also 
a scholar at religious studies and I also know probably more about certain things than he does or some of these people do, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, these people who are claiming, oh, Stanley wasn't anything. That's just a load of crud. And I like Bill Maher. I really do. But Bill Maher is just one person and he's entitled to his opinion even if I don't agree with it. It's the same thing, you know, when other people talk about how it's a kiddie thing and, you know, how comic books were for little kids. I used to own a comic shop, folks. I also used to own a movie theater and it was, it did really well for a while. And it's just, that was my income. That was what brought me in and made me happy for quite a long time. It's just, Depending what you're into, that's cool. Some people like sports. Some people like art. We do a segment on our show called The Geek Seat. And when people come to me and say, hey, I'm not really a geek. You know, I don't read comics or watch sci-fi. And it's like, are you a fan of art? Are you a fan of music? Are you a fan of literature? Are you a fan of sports? You could be a geek about anything. And that's what's the wonderful thing about it. And Stan brought that out for everybody in in their own way. And Stan Lee will be remembered in a very positive way. I have been roasted in that geek seat on my initial entry into the ESO network. So I do know how it is. And I was glad that I, according to you guys out there, that I passed with flying colors. So it's great that I I was able to go ahead and continue on with the network because I know that was a do or die situation in the geek seat right there. You do know there are people still stuck in the geek seat because they haven't earned our respect yet. So you you have something going for you right there, my friend. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm just glad to be out of the geek seat and be able to go ahead and listen to your shows as you continue to roast others in that geek seat. But I will say this, when it comes to Stan Lee's legacy, so many people over the past few months, not only upon his death, but just before and whatnot in recent years, have tried to go ahead and pick at the legacy from family members that were accused of wrongdoing as far as the way he was being treated to other individuals outside of the realm to you know, all the other individuals looking to take credit and their share of the pie as far as what his his actual creations were, and also take shots at him for wanting the spotlight and wanting to embrace the spotlight and embrace all the fans out there. You know what? I think that they all want to go ahead and take shots at him and take parts of those legacy because it is such a huge legacy that he left us in this world. And the fact is so many of us out there would not even entertain any type of uh, realm within the comic book era because of the fact that if he wasn't there promoting it, so many of us would not know anything about comic books or would not even want to get involved with it. And it's due to his efforts in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and whatnot that allowed Marvel to prosper eventually. I know they went through some rough times, but to be able to have the comic book superhero movies that we have today and so much credit should be given to him and his legacy, no matter how many people try to pick at it, unfortunately, it's still a humongous legacy that will definitely live on for some time to come exactly so yeah i definitely think it was just amazing stan is stan and it's weird that next year when i go to dragon con he won't be there and such it was just you know stan was a staple and he will be missed i sadly enough never got to meet the man personally 
but I'm not one of those people who always wants their picture taken with celebrities or get autographs and such. So, but it would have been, I would have loved to just pick his mind for an hour. I would have been in awe type thing. So it's pretty darn awesome with that. All right. Number one, this was a tough one for me actually, because there is so much cool stuff going on and everything to see between the stuff that Netflix is doing with the last of the Marvel shows, what DC is starting to do with Titans and what they are doing with the stuff on the CW or, but for me, truthfully, and it was had to be seeing Freddie Mercury up on film and see, watching Bohemian Rhapsody and having almost the full 20-minute performance of Live Aid up at the end of the film was true bliss for me. It was my number one geek out moment, if you want to put it that way, for, the, for this year. Remy Malek, who I'd never had heard of before ever, and who's this guy who's going to be playing Freddy? Oh, look, he has Freddy's teeth. I wonder if that's going to get a co-star role for it. But it was just amazing and how they captured the movie. I walked out of the movie, truthfully, though, feeling a little like, hmm, did I like it? Did I not? But just when I started thinking about how awesome it was, it grew on me. And it has quickly become my favorite movie of the year. So that had to be my number one spot. I liked it even more than Infinity Wars, folks. So. Wow, that's uh, something indeed. But it was powered by an award-nominating performance for Remy Malek, who's garnering a lot of acclaim for the performance. The movie itself has done gangbusters, not only here in the United States, but abroad as well. So it looks like it was a successful movie overall. When it was looking at times like... It wasn't even going to get into production because there were issues. Sasha Baron Cohen was at one time was tied into it. Then there were other production issues, but finally got made, finally got put out there. And for better, for worse, from some people that are out there that didn't like it, there are many others that did. And a lot of it is driven by the amazing performance by Remy Malik in the lead role as Freddie Mercury. I agree with you that his performance there looks like it's outstanding and it's something that's going to drive the movie forward to even more success when it hits home video because it's almost ending its run theatrically, but nobody can say that it wasn't a success overall because it definitely enlightened a lot of people and it definitely brought out another revival of Queen and their music because Bohemian Rhapsody actually hit the charts once again, which is amazing. It's, I think, the third time that it's done that. So a great job by Remy Malek and everyone involved as far as Bohemian Rhapsody. And I can see why you made it number one on your list. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, it just was truly amazing to see. And, you know, a lot of it was works of fiction or the stories are based on true facts, but might have been changed for to protect the innocent. So, yeah, there were things that have changed for the movie but there's plenty of documentaries out there or there's books talking about what really happened but it was still entertaining and that's what all that counts that's my list my friends that is the list once again of mike faber from the eso network you got to check out his eso podcast his eso doctor who podcast and so many others on the eso network but i gotta ask you one last question my friend why do people need to tune into all the great things at 
the ESO network. Because it's your network for all things geek. How's that? Nice, short, and sweet. I was just going to say the same thing. I was expecting a, a little bit more detailed because actually, if everybody wants to hear the long version of that instead of the cliff notes, they got to go and check out our conversation with me, Kevin, and Mike Faber on one of our previous episodes when we were talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on any one of our channels. In fact, do it on the ESO Network and check that out in the backlogs, in the archives, because it was actually two great conversations we had. And he goes into detail exactly everything why you need to check out the esopodcast.com that's out there all the great shows including ours we are so honored and blessed to be a part of your network just cannot thank you enough for not only allowing us on the network but also taking the time to share your top five on the show with us as well it's my pleasure to always have you guys involved you guys are a fantastic part of our network and we love how you guys are growing and evolving it's a great show we're trying. We're trying. Like I said, a lot of it is in part to our relationship with the ESO Network. We cannot thank you enough for being part of it. And again, happy holidays to you and the family, everyone involved with the ESO Network. So great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. I'm asking podcasters from all around the realm about the top five things that mean most as far as 2018 is concerned. Michelle Levis and Diana Tierney of Wine, Women, and Words, the podcast, which you got to check out today. If you are a book aficionado, it is a must. It is available on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and over uh, just a gazillion different podcast outlets. I got to ask you this. And I know the book world is very, very important to you ladies. So I'm going to start with you, Diana, your thoughts on your top five superstar things that you liked so far in 2018. I am totally here for the diversity that we're seeing in books now. And that's getting translated to movies that are being optioned. The first one that comes to mind is Crazy Rich Asians. I think that was like the highest grossing rom-com in I don't know how many years. And one of the top grossing in the this year. It has scored extremely well, like you said, all over the place. And it definitely has sparked interest, not only in Crazy Rich Asians, the book, but mm -hmm. sequels. It's already starting production on that. They've already signed the director of Crazy Rich Asians to do mm -hmm. the sequel. So yeah, it's definitely become successful all around the and, world outside of China. And the producers, interesting fact, the producers of Crazy Rich Asians are also the same producers for The Hunger Games. They're from the same people. And then if you're interested in that diversity aspect, there's a lot more stories coming out of Cuba and dealing with Cuban culture. Veins of the ocean, though it wasn't didn't come out this year, 
I think it came out either 2016 or 2017. That was a great book. Chanel Clayton came out in February with a book called Next Year in Havana. And then she's going to be coming out with another one, I believe called When We Left Havana, dealing with Cuban refugees and books like that. I'm just totally here for It's been big this year in 2018, seeing the diversity, and I absolutely love it. And Michelle, what are your top picks for 2018? Like I said, it could be pop culture, it could be books, whatever you so choose. What are the biggest things that affected you in 2018? Definitely not new to the world, but this year has been the year of the audiobooks for me. Before this, I never really got into audiobooks. I couldn't really get behind them at all, but this year I started and it lets you experience books in a completely different aspect. I mean, we talked about it on the show um, on a few episodes, but you fully immerse yourself and you you read you experience the book the way the author intended you to experience it. But the books that really kind of stood out to me this year, City of Brass, we already mentioned that earlier. I am a huge Emily Giffen fan, so she just came out with her new book this year, All We Ever Wanted, which was probably one of her best books yet. Um, it was very present. It, it dealt with a lot of social issues that are relevant today, not just for women, but for parents, dads, as a single dad and, and a married mother from a different family, and they have to deal with huge issues with their kids and, and, and society. It's, it's a really great book. The Paris Secret by Karen Swan was like a historical fiction thriller mystery that we had on the show that we loved. Beautifully written, and it had to do with art, World War II, which is, you know, anything with those two things is really a must read for me. But Diana's the historical fiction person. I am the thriller person. So two thrillers that I loved that came out this year. One of them was called Bring Me Back by B.A. Paris. And if anyone is on the bookstagram world on Instagram, that's the one with the yellow brick wall that, that, that was all over the place when it first came out. But people will remember it if, if they're part of the books, bookstagram world. I was actually tweeting the author while I was reading it, trying to figure out the ending. And all of my theories were wrong, and it totally threw me for a loop. And the last one was Baby Teeth. And I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong, but it's by Zoe Stage. It was highly disturbing. It was about a woman who became convinced that her seven-year-old daughter wanted to kill her because she wanted her out of the way so she and her daddy could live happily ever after. And listening to that on audiobook makes it even more disturbing because the voice that the narrator uses for the daughter like makes your skin crawl just listening to it. So those are my five. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great list from both of you. I can really empathize with what you're saying as far as audiobooks are concerned because me, it's an issue of time because I've got so many different things going on in my life. I can't always sit down and read a book. I have already actually gone through three audiobooks this year myself. So I, I can definitely empathize with what you're talking about as far as going the audiobook way. And, uh, hopefully no book aficionados and book nerds will actually you know curse me for saying that but if they do just send them over to us we are huge fans of audiobooks we actually had 
Julia Whalen on the show in July, I think it was. And she's, I joke around with her that she's narrated all the audiobooks. She did Gone Girl, The Other Wife, which was also really big. And like, what was uh, Kristen Hanna's latest one? The Great Alone, which oh, is another oh. great book that came out this year, which I highly recommend for people. Beautifully done. And she narrated that as well. And we at Wine Moon Awards are big proponents for audiobooks. I think they're great. Michelle, I know Michelle just talked about how much she loved them. And I love them too. I listen to them in my car while I'm working, while I'm cooking. They're fantastic. And you can get so many great audiobooks through Audible uh, and several other sources. Even your library has great audiobooks too. I order books all the time through the library not only for my family, but for myself. So it's definitely a great way to go ahead and get books. If you're looking for alternative means than going through Goodread or Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatnot. So that's awesome. Those are some great ideas. But I got to ask you one question before we head on out. Why is Wine, Women and Words the podcast to go for anyone interested in the literary world? Well, we get into the author's heads. If you're interested in how the author does what they do, we're, we sit down, we talk with them, we get how they their writing process. Sometimes we get them drunk. That has happened a few times. And they will spill secrets that they're not supposed to spill yet about books. But yeah, if you want to hear an author's perspective on writing and literature, we're the place to go to. Michelle, anything to add on about your awesome show? We just like to have fun with it. I think we try not to take ourselves too seriously. And and it comes through, a, you know, a lot of authors, you can tell coming on the show, they have either never done a hangout before, don't know how it works, or maybe it's their first podcast. And they, you know, they always ask like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? What, you know, is, how does this work? And it's really, we just want to talk to, uh, talk about your book. That's all we want to do. We want to pick your brain and we want to know why you killed off the character that we love so much or um, <laughs> how you came up with this huge plot twist. So it's basically, if a person has read the book that we're talking about and they loved it as much as we did, we're probably going to ask the same types of questions that they would ask if they had the opportunity to chat with the author. Ladies, just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to spend with us today. And just so great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or TurboGrafx today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. Okay, we're back with the show, and it's Gerald coming right back at you here. You know what? We are continuing our series of people's top five in whatever category that it takes in pop culture. We've had so many diverse opinions, great thoughts, great lists out there. 
But you know what? I cannot do a top of 2018 without a top five of television and also a bottom list as well. And who better to tell me about her thoughts on the TV world, the best of and the worst of, than our good friend. She is the outstanding writer of one of the outstanding writers on their staff of the tvratingsguide.com. You got to check out all the great things going on today at the tvratingsguide.com, including including their entire listing of all their original shows that they go ahead and write out that are that they display out during the course of the the year. And you got to check out all the great shows there. Plus, they do a renew cancel index, which I know everybody goes towards to to find out which shows are hot, which shows are not. And which shows are right along the cut line when it comes to cancellation, articles, reviews, and so much more. It is my good friend, Miss Jessica Boggs. Happy holidays to you, my friend. Happy holidays to you, too. Well, it's great to have you back on the show. I told you earlier this month you'd be coming back for another segment. And I'm just so happy to have you here talking about your picks and I'll throw in some of mine as well in regards to the best of television and the worst of television in 2018. So I'm in suspense. I've gotten no hints from you. I've gotten no word ahead of time on what your list is for the best in television in 2018. So I'm on pins and needles, Jess. You got to let me know. What are your picks for television in 2018? Well, these are in no particular order. Number one, I went with the Big Bang Theory for the wedding episode and this whole entire final season, it seems like they're going out on top ratings wise and the storyline is going into like a general closing. Therefore, it's like it's good for streaming and it's also good for syndication. And it's good for their pocketbooks as well, because, you know, there are some struggling actors on the show. OK, maybe not. They make quite a bit of money each and every episode. But still, it's a great show coming to a fantastic end, right? Exactly. You've already started off with a comedy that people seem to love and enjoy. What's your next shot? Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Wouldn't be a list without one of your favorite shows each and every year. Something that you and I like to talk about time and time again. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on The CW. I think like this season in particular, it's a really nice change of pace. With every episode starting with like I am ashamed or I'm on my own path and it has nothing to do with like an ex-boyfriend or a boyfriend on any episode like in the past three seasons. Absolutely. It has taken a turn. Definitely. I, I've noticed it myself. It's obviously something that it's taken a direction that I think a lot of fans seem to enjoy. It has its own niche of, of followers out there. And I'll tell you what, it's definitely a, a interesting pick at number four. So I want to hear your number three, Jess. Atlanta from FX. Excellent show. I cannot agree with you more on that. Atlanta is a truly a inspired piece of art by Donald Glover. He is one of the hottest actors in Hollywood. And there's a reason why, because there's so much talent and people get a taste of that talent on Atlanta. And I'll just say what FX is just so, uh, I guess, I'm sure, I, I would assume, so grateful for having that show on its network. Yeah, it's literally one of the top-rated shows, literally the top-rated comedy on FX right now. Uh, nice, nice, nice indeed. So you've got already, you got your fifth, your fourth, and your third. got to hear your number two choice for your pick for television in 2018. 
I put number two as like Super Bowl commercials, but my real number two would be The Good Place. Ah, The Good Place, a beloved favorite for many out there. Something that I know a lot of people really enjoy and, and really take hold of when it comes to Thursday nights on NBC. Tell us a little bit why you enjoy The Good Place so much. It has a limited series type thing and some special effects, whereas you see the main character going to heaven, even though she's done crazy things in her life. And you see queening of like cuss words in heaven, pretty much. Exactly. Uh, and obviously uh, the fork doesn't go without saying. So definitely a, a, a very solid choice at number two for you right there. There's a lot of great shows out there. And there's a lot of great things to see on television. So I got to hear it, Jess. What is your number one show on television for 2018? It's the two seasons of Unreal. One season, it's like you had, like it came out after like a, a year and a half off. But it's it's such an underrated gem that you see. It's like it's based on like the Bachelor type thing. And they're just basically making fun of that. Gotta love those satirical shows. I know there's... Quite a few of them out there, but it sounds like Unreal does it better than any of them. Oh, yeah. But there are also a lot of good shows that that parody other different types of shows. Like you see SNL sketches parodying shows, but I've never seen an entire show parodying a reality show in its entirety from like the production standpoint. That's a great pick right there for you. So that is Jessica Boggs' top five list in television for 2018. I've got a top five as well. I'll start from the back end at number five. I'm going to go with, I think, and I'm probably in the minority here, the best show on Thursday nights when it comes to the comedy lineup on NBC, and that is Superstore. Sorry to The Good Place, which is an excellent show in its own right, and I know it's on your top five list. I think Superstore is just a little bit better, a little bit funnier to me. I like the humor. Maybe it's because I came from that type of background growing up. I saw a lot of individuals that, okay, yes, a lot of the characters on the show are accentuated, are a little bit out there, but they may not be so far off from individuals in everyday life as far as how they act and how they interact with customers, interact with themselves. So, yeah, it does get a little bit crazier than what real-life retail is all about, but not by much. And a lot of things that go on there are truly funny. And it's for me, someone who does not enjoy sitcoms very much, because I don't laugh at sitcoms, because there's so many TV sitcoms that I've seen over the years that I just don't laugh at. I don't find the humor enough in them because of the fact that they're so constrained by the you know what whatever's required on TV with FCC regulations and whatnot. Humor to me actually is better on a cinematic level or maybe if I'm watching stand-up or whatnot, then you can really get me going as far as laughter is concerned. But one of the few shows in the history that I've ever watched that has made me chuckle is Superstore. And I think overall, I think it's a, a well-laid-out show. And I just like the fact that a lot of the characters do seem to get a type of, of depth to their characters that other shows don't get the chance to go ahead and duplicate. So that's one of the reasons why I enjoy Superstore so much. And I think, like I said, I'm in the minority here, but especially when I've seen critical lists and whatnot, but I do think Superstore is the best show on NBC when it comes to Thursday night comedy. And I'm so sad to see it being pushed a few months until March before we get new episodes. Number four for me, 
that's going to be Atlanta. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the concept of the show and how well it's executed by Donald Glover. It's just truly an outstanding and well-made show, just well-made series. He should just get a ton of credit for doing everything behind the scenes to make and craft what is probably one of FX's best shows ever on the network. I'm going to talk about another one here in a minute, but definitely Atlanta is up there as far as one of the best shows on television. And without a doubt, it should be on anyone's top five list. And it's on mine at number four. Number three is Cobra Kai. Oh, you got to love Cobra Kai. Whether or not you are familiar with the Karate Kid movie from the past, it does enough to catch you up to speed with it. But the story of Johnny so many years later and his reaction to everything that's gone on and, and what's taken place in his life and his down and out nature and what he tries to do to recover not only himself, but his lost glory is just a truly well-made show. It is probably to me the biggest surprise on video this year is Cobra Kai. And I cannot say enough great things about it. And it is worth YouTube premium alone to get that series. The first episode is free. You got to check it out on YouTube today. It is Cobra Kai. It is definitely a show you must see. Number two for me is The Americans, which I believe is the best drama ever on FX and one of the best dramas of the past 20 years. It's definitely something that I enjoy very much. And I think that a lot of people should have taken better notice of it while it was on the air. It closed out its series on one of the best series notes ever. That last episode was just so surprising, but still just out there and, and really creative. Tell you what, everyone that's part of the Americans should be proud of what they did. It only garnered a couple Emmys over its lifespan of the series, which is a true big mistake by the Academy because the Americans, over the six-year run that it had, is truly one of the best shows ever on television. And number one for me, well, I wrote an article about it earlier this year, and I told you then why you have to binge it, because it is one of the best limited series that I've ever seen, and that is The Alienist. This limited series is truly a fantastic watch from beginning to end, especially episode six out there. Episode six to me was truly a high point in television I have not seen in quite some time. And The Alienist for me was probably a little bit ahead of the Americans at Cobra Kai, but not by much, sneaks out at number one. It is truly awesome television, which I don't find too often because we definitely see just both you and I over the years, a lot of bad television out there. There's not much good television anymore. It gets outweighed by all the junk that's out there, but definitely the alienist tops them all for me in 2018. I did hear that there's going to be like a sequel to it. Yeah, there was a book that was made in events, I think, about a year or two after the events of The Alienist, and I think they're going to base it off of that book. I read a few months ago that they are because TNT was so happy for the success of The Alienist. It did earn Golden Globe nominations. It, the ratings were, yes, you and I both reported at the time, very good for it. So glad to see a sequel that will be in production at some point in time for The Alienist. But there's also a lot we need to talk about when it comes to the worst of television. And I just said there is a whole lot of bad television out there in 2018. I don't know, Jess. I think we can go to bottom 300 or 3,000 when it comes to shows on television that are really, truly bad television in the United States. But you know what? That being said, I'll let you go ahead with just three. 
So what are your bottom three in 2018 for television? My bottom three would be the Murphy Brown reboot, not the original, the reboot, and how it is executed. And obviously it's going to lead to most likely a cancellation for at this point in time from what your uh, statistics are saying. Is that correct? Exactly. It's bad ratings-wise, and it was a bad time to bring the show back, especially in a highly contested time in society. Well, I know a lot of other politically laden shows that do support one way or the other have gotten a lot of press and have actually benefited from it. But unfortunately, Murphy Brown wasn't the case. I think it just reached too old of an audience. I think the actors themselves maybe aged too much to be able to perform like their former selves. And the writing seemed to be uninspired at times. So I agree with you. That's a, that's a, you know, in the weed of a lot of trash that's out there on television. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good pick there at number three. What's your number two on the, on the bottom list of television in 2018? I am going to say Roseanne because it's a little bit because not the not the original but the reboot because of controversy with the lead star though. And I like the show. It's just it's just so tainted though by controversy. But then again, we wouldn't have gotten the Connors if she hadn't have opened her mouth. That's true, that's true. In a new direction. Some call it a better direction. Be that as it may, depends on your opinion on the political spectrum, but Roseanne's ill-choiced and ill-timed words unfortunately cost her big time. The Connors moves on as a television show that does have a future. You know, It's not going to get the, the ratings that Roseanne did, but it doesn't need to. It just needs to do solid numbers from here on out. So I believe it is, it is doing that at this point in time, and it's going to be picked up for another year if it hasn't already so roseanne the original reboot seen earlier this year with roseanne Barr at number two just yeah i just have to say especially after the year that she's had definitely it qualifies as a bottom television show i gotta hear from you jess it's not crazy ex-girlfriend on the bottom of your list but i know there is one show that is terrible enough out there to just inspire just a disheartening from you when it comes to your thoughts on television. So I want to hear it. Your worst television show of 2018. It would have to be bull to be honest, because Michael Weatherly is having some controversy. Well, it's not just about the controversy. Is it because of the content as well? Well, yeah, but it's kind of like, it's so boring and it's hard to like sit through a whole entire episode of bull. I hope my wife never hears this segment because she is a fan of the CBS dramas. I will tell you that, but I think you, between you and I, and also the many listeners that are out there that are probably going to, you know, inform my wife at some point in time. Although actually I've kind of told her myself. So my bottom three is also very, uh, I guess very inspired by a lot of what's going on out there as far as controversy is concerned. Number three in the worst of television in 2018 for me is The Walking Dead. And it's not because of the show is, is of a quality nature because, yeah, it's taken a downturn in quality in my eyes and storylines. I've said I've I've always said storylines for me are up and down when it comes to The Walking Dead. And that gets me in and out of watching the show. But the poor decisions that have been made recently when it comes to especially especially when it comes to the prior season 
of The Walking Dead, which finished in 2018. So many poor decisions. And then obviously the final one is Andrew Lincoln leaving the show, leaving you without the iconic star of the show itself and making it almost unbearable to watch at this point in time, even though Danai Gurria, Melissa McBride, there's so many other great actors on the show, but when it's just like you take that head out of the snake out of it when it comes to Rick Grimes' character, which is so integral to the comic book portion of it, and it just doesn't really make sense why you want to continue on with the program. You're just doing it for ratings. Even though the ratings have fallen so dramatically, it is still one of the top shows on cable. In fact, overall television, The Walking Dead is a number three for me, but more so for the decisions that have been made in killing off characters and characters leaving the show, which to me has denigrated this overall storyline and really just not made it good for the overall future of The Walking Dead. I will still catch it. I still will talk to my good friend Daphne Matthew from The Walking Dead fan base about it, and I still will tune into it, but right now isn't a great time for The Walking Dead. I'm hopeful for better fortune for the show, but yeah, right now The Walking Dead for me is a number three. Number two for me is Bull. Yes, what a coincidence indeed. Bull is just, yeah, I mean, you can insert your Bull whatever if you want to when you watch it. But yeah, the, the like you said, the concept is so boring as a courtroom drama with all the technology that's involved. So it's jury green, it's the jury red and all that stuff. But the storylines are really not, for me, not not that great to follow. It's, I've sat down several times with my wife and we have tried to watch it. And it is a slog that you have to try to go through. And despite the fact that Michael Weatherly also just poorly choiced words, poorly choiced actions, obviously everybody knows about the settlement that was made that became public. But be that as it may, the show itself is just really bottom of the barrel when it comes to a lot of what's going on in television. And Bull is my number two. And for me as well, number one also happens to be on CBS. I don't know what's up with these CBS dramas, but I've never enjoyed NCIS. I've never enjoyed some of the others. CSI was an incredible show. Unfortunately, that is no longer on the air. They've had some good television programming, CBS has in the past, and a lot of other periodic and serial dramas and serial stuff, NCIS, throw out a, throw out a city, NCIS, whatever. They're all lame to me. But at number one, by far, that I think is just garbage, a heaping, heaping pile of garbage. And I know I'm going to probably get roasted on this as far as a lot of opinions otherwise. SEAL is, Team. Is SEAL Team. Navy SEALs. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's atrocious. Uh, I mean, I, I told you the story before that I was watching one episode with my wife, and I actually counted at seven minutes in that I already knew the entire storyline, already knew the entire outcomes, and I already knew exactly who was going to be with who, who is going to save who, and all that. Everything I solved within the first seven minutes, and I didn't even want to. I just was there. It's just so obvious. And the writing is extremely uninspired. The camaraderie between the, the Navy SEALs themselves is just it's not there for me. It's not there for me. After watching so many other movies that have done a much, much, much better job of portraying individuals such as that who serve our country so bravely, Navy SEALs just looks like a cash grab of higher proportions. And 
I just, I cannot stand it, Jess. It's just truly awful television at its highest. Yeah, well, we also had this, like, thing with, like, we also call it, like, hashtag mega hit for those that are, like, in the lowest rated type shows. SEAL Team usually gets put on the list as mega hit. Well, it is a mega hit when it, when you consider it that way. But, yeah, it is just some awful television. CBS doesn't care. It gets the ratings. And you know what? If it continues to do so, it's going to be on for more years to come, which my wife enjoys. My wife enjoys the CBS period dramas. More power to her. I'm glad she finds a lot of enjoyment from it, from that, from the NCIS shows and all the others. But CBS, from a quality standpoint, for years has just gone on a downturn. It's become very periodic. It's become very uh, cyclical. You see the same thing over and over in each and every show that they have. You see the, you see the, a lot of similarities. They have a formula that actually got them to the top of the ratings heap, and they've stuck to it. Right now, they're not number one, but they're very close to it. And this bad television, to me, you got to slog through it. But as long as it makes so many people happy, you know what? More power to you. But for me, yeah, definitely uh, Navy SEALs is the worst show on television. That definitely is a great list from you, both good and bad. Once again, it is Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all of her work and all the great work of everyone else on the staff of the TVRG. There is no doubt about it. The TVRatingsGuide.com is the place to go for everything TV ratings and TV ratings news. Jessica, just cannot thank you enough for being part of the show once again, happy holidays to you and the family. Just hope you have a tremendous holiday, a fantastic 2018, and also to the staff of the TVRG as well. Well, happy holidays to you too. Thank you so much. And as always, it's so great to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and info you need to know for your fantasy football team, Join Tyler Baker and me, Gerald Glassford, on the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Each week on the Pop Culture Cosmos, the PCC Multiverse, and full episodes are on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, available now on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more podcast outlets. You know what? We haven't shared our thoughts on the top five in 2018 for pop culture. So my friend... I'm going to start off with you. What is your number five in 2018 for pop culture? Okay, so for my number five, I have the Netflix cancellations of Marvel shows. That was something that, uh, you know, what they announced that is five years ago, I want to say, that that whole deal came through. People are super stoked. Marvel and Netflix had a a huge plan going forward, and now we're seeing the end of that plan. And I, I think that it was canceled a lot sooner than anyone thought it would, even the people over at Marvel. And it was just, it's kind of a shock to see that happen because people really did like Daredevil, you know, and uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, not so much Iron Fist, but people were hopeful, you know, with that second season. So it was kind of, that was a huge moment because that just goes to show you that, <clears throat> you know, anything that's Marvel that exists outside of the Disney wheelhouse now is not going to get the treatment. And, and there's a good, probability that it's not going to be uh carried on after the the launch of the disney streaming service and allegedly there's a season three of jessica jones coming out but i i guarantee you i mean that's going to be my my top five predictions but uh you know i'll give you a little spoiler i guarantee you that 
after each of these new seasons premieres, Netflix is it's are going to announce their cancellation. My number five is the true power, both negative and positive, of social media. We've seen it time and time again. When there's good word of mouth on a television show, on a movie, on a video game, gets that word of mouth going, gets that popular thing going as far as the on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, of course. You know, it starts spreading like wildfire and really gets a lot of pub for a lot of great things that are going on. The negative side, however, is that with a lot of our social media presence, we've also seen, especially Twitter, has been really harsh to a lot of celebrities. We've seen what happened to Kelly Tran in with Star Wars The Last Jedi. A lot of feedback, unfortunately, coming her way, which was unwarranted. And we've actually seen that recently with one of the stars of Black Mirror Bandersnatch, Will Poulter, who has been in several movies already. Will Poulter is getting a lot of flack because of his different look playing a 1980s game developer. He's getting a lot of flack off it, and he's had to leave Twitter because of it. So it's kind of disappointing how powerful social media is, that it can be for good as far as supporting charitable causes, supporting causes that are really noble and, and really helping out things that really be, need to be helped in pop culture, but also turning a dark side just saying inappropriate things on Twitter and other social media posts from Instagram, Facebook, what have you, that are very regrettable. And a lot of times they've also been career ending or career threatening as well. What is your number four? What is your number four on your pop culture top five for 2018? Roseanne Barr getting axed from her own show. That was a pretty big thing because that was the first time in a sitcom the main character has been kicked off for saying something that people did not like off of the show and then had the show carry on without her. And I I honestly do not doubt that it's going to be the last time either. We're probably going to be seeing more and more of that, again, thanks to social media and people who should who say things who shouldn't be saying things. I, I can think of you know one person in particular, our commander-in-chief, <laughs> who has a, a Twitter account, but... Uh, yeah, Roseanne Barr getting axed from her show. That's the first time I've ever seen that. And whether or not it's working out, I don't know. I don't know how the ratings are. You talked to Jessica Boggs about that kind of thing. But it's just interesting because that was the first time I've ever seen anything like that. But you're right. It goes back to what we're saying about social media and how social media presence can really be a negative in so many different ways. And especially when it comes to the case of Roseanne Barr, with her spewing out whatever negative thoughts she was thinking that, you know what, hey, if you're going to say that stuff, you better be prepared for the consequences. And unfortunately, I don't think she was prepared for the consequences, but life and ABC has moved on without her. They're doing still good numbers for the Connors. And I believe it has been renewed for another season. So you know what, you say those type of horrific things on Twitter, it's always going to come back on you and it comes back on to you quickly when it concerns social media. My number four is Toys R Us closing. And to me, it's like losing a part of our pop culture history. And, you know, for me personally, and I know for you personally as well, it's almost like losing a part of your childhood. Yeah, yeah. It was. I actually tried to catch some of the uh, the clearance sales going on at Toys R Us and it was all picked over because the moment they announced they're closing down, people were lining up outside the stores and showing up at them trying to find out when the uh, clearance sales were. But, you know, I was talking to my mom the other day. And 
we were reminiscing about how because I'm on a Sega kick right now and she used to asking me if I remember when she took me to to Toys R Us as a kid, you know, and you go and you have they have like the Sega and Super Nintendo games hi- hanging from the flaps. You go and you pick out the coupon, you take it up to the corner or to the uh, register in the front. They give you the game. You know, she's asking me if I remember that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I remember Toys R Us being notorious for having like the flaps open. And you go and ask for the game and they'll be like, oh, we're sold out. And they never bother to take the little slips out when once a game is no longer available. Always irks me. <laughs> so you think it's okay that they're closed? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I just, you know, I, I have good memories and I have bad memories. But they do, they were the last place really that you could buy specialty toys. You know, Target has a toy aisle, Walmart has a toy aisle, but they don't didn't have the the selection or the variety you know now you have to go to to find a lot of stuff say you want a special lego you got to go to like a lego shop or you got to go to you know somewhere that specializes in collectibles you can't just or online or online yeah but i mean that's the thing though even with you know i think we talked about this before with action figures like you go and you buy action figures they come in like six different sizes now you don't know what size you're getting you're not holding the product you don't know what it's made of you don't know how flimsy it is and it's that's the great thing about Toys R Us is that you can pick it up. You can see what else was available, flip it over. You're like, oh, cool. There's a green Power Ranger. You can, you know, thumb through the rest of the Power Ranger toys to see if you can find that one. That was a good experience, you know, and you just you can't do that anymore. And it kind of bums me out. Well, I know you're very sad about it. I know I'm also very sad about it as well. I was just kidding about what I was saying earlier. I know you're very disheartened by the loss of Toys R Us because for you and I, that was something that was part of our lives for so many years. And it looks like at some point in time in 2019, this is not a this is this should go on the predictions, but this is something that probably is an easy prediction because it's looking like it's near the end for something like Sears, Kmart, possibly even JC Those stores that are leaving, I'm very sad that they're in the condition that they're in. And I do have memories of those stores, but I don't have as fond of memories as I do of Toys R Us. Big kids, little kids, it just going there was a treat every time I went. And I'm just sorry to see it go. And to see those signs these days at Walmart. We're the America's best toy store. They're America's largest brick and mortar retailer. When you say you're America's best toy store, I still think it's kind of like a smack, a backhanded smack at Toys R Us now that they're gone. Am I wrong in saying that? They don't have that big of a toy selection. They just have a lot of edited CDs. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough, my friend. But still, it's a very sad time for all of us when we we realized Toys R Us would be no more. And the revival that tried to happen didn't happen. We'll have to wait and see if there's going to be something as as far as a reprieve for once retail giants like Sears, Kmart, JCPenney. But in the online age that we now live in where amazon.com walmart.com and so many other dot coms have reigned supreme it's going to be very hard for the brick and mortar stores that we remember from the past stay alive and there's going to be more toys r us's like that in the future going forward that's going to shut down and shut down for good what's your number three my friend in the pop culture top five of 2018 I think we kind of have one of the same ones here. I got Avengers Infinity War. That was one of the biggest pop culture events to, at least in my eyes, since, you know, for as long as I can remember since Iron Man. But this was a lot bigger than Iron Man. This was the first time so many different diverse people came together to see this movie and we everyone was all on the same page about it. 
no one walked out of the theater going, man, that was a crappy movie. A lot, everyone walked out like in awe of this film. They were emotionally struck by it and people talked about it forever. It spawned a whole outcropping of memes on the internet for months after that. Like it really, in all aspects, was a cultural phenomenon. I agree with you wholeheartedly, my friend. Number three is also for me Avengers Infinity War because for me, it felt like it made a 10-year investment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe totally worth it. It cashed in on all those things that we were experiencing for the story arc for 10 years with Marvel and it paid off in spades. The Russos did an outstanding job. That's why it was the number one pick for you in 2018 and the number two pick for me in 2018. If you want to check out the rest of our thoughts on the top movies of 2018, that's on the Pop Culture Cosmos that we had that aired and dropped on Monday, if you want to check that out on our podcast channels. But it totally was worth the investment of 10 years of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Did not let us down. And I'm looking forward this year to Endgame to just wrap it up in a nice, neat little bow. In fact, I'm also encouraged to see what's going to happen with Captain Marvel and how that ties in just like a little bit of more of icing on the cake when it comes to the whole 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Number two, my friend, what is your number two in pop culture for 2018? I got the release of Red Dead Redemption 2. This was everyone, everybody was talking about this game. Like this was something that even non-gamers went out to play because they want to be a part of this conversation. I didn't like it. You know, and, and that's that's on me. That's 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 me. I, li- I like the first one. D- didn't like this one. I, I there's just this idea of diving into a 180 hour game that I just I didn't want to invest in. But yeah, this was kind of a, a big thing. Like, and you know, people are still talking about whether or not journalists were paid to say that the game was good. So I th- think in gaming, like this, this was this was the Avengers: Infinity War of gaming, Red Dead Redemption Two. So I'm. I, you know, I haven't played it yet. I'm, I'm going to, I've talked to a lot of people who have played it and they, they seem to like it, but this is the first time that I've talked to people about a game and these people have no experiences in gaming whatsoever. They just went out and bought these consoles and these games to be a part of the conversation. So I think that's huge. I'm going to disagree with you on that because I thought there was one bigger note in video gaming as far as the cultural phenomenon and the social relevance and all that is concerned. I think there was one game that touched on our society a little bit more than Red Dead Redemption 2. And in fact, the number one video game sales of the year, I think, still goes to Call of Duty. Black Ops 4 still made it out of the year as the number one best-selling game of the year ahead of Red Dead Redemption 2. Be that as in May, I think it still was a very, very good year for Rockstar and Red Dead Redemption 2, but it's still not approaching anywhere near the numbers of what GTA 5 did, which leads me to believe people have still a greater affinity. However great affinity they have for Red Dead Redemption, they still have a much greater affinity for the GTA series. That's why, to me, I think it held the number two position for sales for the year of 2018 in video games and not the number one, which I think Rockstar may try to tell you and try to spin it as something positive, but I still think it's something negative when Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is still able to beat it worldwide in sales for 2018. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not talking about sales. I'm just talking about 
people who I know don't play games going out to buy Red Dead. Like that was kind of this was the first time that I had ever encountered something like that. And, you know, people play Call of Duty all the time. Like that was just uh, that's one of those franchises. But like this was kind of a big deal. And, you know, sales aside, it, it was just, you know, I'm just saying it's the first time I've ever encountered that situation. Well, actually, the mind number one is going to include that type of situation because I'm seeing people from all different walks of life experiencing that. So I'm having the same experience with another game that you are with Red Dead Redemption 2. I actually have got Red Dead Redemption 2 back at my office. I'll tell you what, it's actually, for me, something that you're right. It's going to be a big experience. It's it's drawn out. It's, it's a long game. It's God, it's multiplayer now. It's going to be a great, vast experience that's out there for many people who are playing it. Rockstar should not be ashamed of it because I think it's a great success. Is it the big success that they wanted it to be, like GTA V? No, not quite. But according to Josh right there, with the feedback that he's getting and the people from different walks of life that are now trying out Red Dead Redemption 2 because they just heard about it, it was going to be something big, definitely it's a good choice that you're number two. So my number two is Black Panther being the socially relevant event that so many of us had hoped for. I think when I talked to Haas and TJ of the voice from the underground, as you'll hear Haas coming up here in a minute, and as I spoke to TJ when he gave his review earlier in 2018 on on our Pop Culture Cosmos show, these guys and so many other individuals out there just were blown away by Black Panther just the fact that it's now being considered for an Oscar, Golden Globe, all these other awards, it's, it's great for, for Marvel from a superhero standpoint. And then obviously from the cultural and socially relevant standpoint, as far as on all the beats that it hits, the tremendous cast and, and what it represents to, to the community, I think it's a great homage, but it's also a great point of conjecture going forward that the diversity, along with Crazy Rich Asians and so many other movies that came out in 2018 and 2017 with Get Out and whatnot, just really sends a message to Hollywood about diversity and really just good movie making is what can generate a lot of money in the movie industry and not exactly what the individuals can be like who's leading the show and who your leads and who your co-stars and whatnot it all depends on good movie making and good storytelling as opposed to just the names and the individuals of a certain type that fits a stereotype that you've been doing for so many years being the be all end all in hollywood diversity is now in in hollywood big time it's welcome side women people of different ethnicities people of, of different languages these movies, these individuals are getting spotlighted, and it's great to see. And it, a lot of it will be due going forward to the success of Black Panther. Yeah, I'm going to tread carefully here. I agree. I think that diversity is is important in, in films, but I also don't feel like an individual should be obligated to like a movie because it's diverse. I think we talked about this on Topic Ocalypse. Like, why can't? We just go back to not liking films because we didn't like them. But no, everything you're saying is true. Like it does go to show you that you know we if, if we stop typecasting people and put them in, you know, give give them a time, give them a role that you know is not traditionally meant for somebody like them. Like they could do amazing. Look at Star Wars Rogue One. That that was a more diverse set of actors, and that movie was amazing. And it you can break the mold. And I don't know why the mold even exists because I think anybody who deserves who 
you know, is is good at a part should be able to play it. People are very close minded. But, you know, on the other side of that coin, like I said earlier, you shouldn't feel obligated. Like, you know, with Wonder Woman, when I said Wonder Woman was a good film and then I was like, but it wasn't a great film. And then I got roasted pretty hard on social media for saying that, you know, we just we kind of get trapped in corners like that, because I know a lot of people who have I've listened to a lot of discussions about Black Panther and someone says, Hey, I didn't think that movie was that great. The first reaction people have is you're racist. So it's a double-sided coin. Diversity is good, but it also has the power to divide fans much like social media does. That's an excellent point because your ability to go ahead and like films and not like films should not be based on whatever individuals that are in there. Does it tell a good narrative? Does it tell a story that you enjoy? Does it go ahead and have all the parts to it that makes it something special and something worth watching, no matter who's in it, no matter who directs it, no matter who's responsible for it. And if, if people are just telling you that you're supposed to like it just because that's almost as bad as what it was before when, like you said, with all the typecasting and whatnot. So it doesn't make it any better. You should be allowed your own opinion if you're having a free and open-minded opinion on exactly what it is you're watching and why or why not you're not actually enjoying it to the level that some others are right so my whole thing is i think anyone should be able to play any part honestly like i was stoked at the idea of of the possibility of idris elba playing james bond like that would have been really cool to me if that if a person is passionate about a role and they they pursue it and they're really good at it they should be able to play that person no matter what color their skin is you know and that's that's just where i stand on the thing but you know, it. I don't know why this is. It creates so much divide among fans. It just it, it, it drives me nuts. Like even you know, if you have someone, if you have a uh, you know, a diverse cast, people are gonna comment about that. And then if you don't like the diverse cast, people are gonna comment about that. It's just it's, it's hard, man. This is what we've become in you know 2019 now, and it's just it's. It seems like it's gonna get tougher as we go on. But um, you know, I'm I. I love the strides for the strides forward that we're making in in uh you know in Hollywood and from what I understand this was actually one of the the biggest years for Hollywood blockbusters and I think that Black Panther contributed heavily to that. Absolutely, absolutely indeed. So what are you your number 1 in pop culture for 2018? I have The Death of Stanley. It's you know it's the first time you know, and it, it's sad. It just goes to show you that like tragedies really do bring communities together. But it's the first time a lot of different factions of people, even like the the big comic book creators, like the DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, they all put down their gauntlets and came together. Like they did a tribute. DC did a tribute to Stan Lee. Like everyone, he. It, it's crazy just to see everyone brought together by one individual who did so much for a lot of people and like bill maher's thing was that guy's a jerk but you know i re- I read that and i'm like no he really did bring people together in a way that no one ever you know no no one else really did i would almost say that stan lee is more influential than than walt disney just in the way that he ignited the imaginations of millions of people all over the world i mean that's that that's a legacy that one would be proud to have you know Absolutely agree with you on that 100%. The Stanley legacy will live on for many years, and many years after Bill Maher is forgotten about as far as an individual in the Hollywood industry. So, yeah, just Stanley's legacy as far as a comic book genius and a comic book icon 
that's going to remain for a long, long time to come. And as long as you see any Marvel products that are out there, his name is going to be associated with it. And, you know, I'm fortunate he passed in, in 2018. And I'm just, you know, I'm so sad that he won't, won't be able to see the continuance of, you know, what, what he helped start so many years ago that is going forward. It's now this big machine, this, this big cultural phenomenon as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned. I'm sorry that he won't be able to see it continue into a new phase as we move on in the next decade. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on Stan Lee. My number one choice for top five in pop culture in 2018 was, I think, the biggest video game in 2018. And that, to me, is the social relevance, the cultural relevance, and just basically the boom in popularity of the game Fortnite. Simple as that. The game exploded out there, became available on all different platforms, both console and mobile. Fortnite became media giant, just making epic hand over fist on money. The what? At some time, it reached over 250 million concurrent players. Just, just a big, big, big thing going on with Fortnite. Became so socially relevant. Became all over just television, streaming channels. Ninja became a celebrity, dealing with all these these other celebrities, all these pro athletes and movie stars and TV stars wanted to go ahead and get involved with the game, do streaming with the game, doing events with the game. Fortnite became some, you know, this Fortnite for all ages from below 10, seven, eight, nine year olds going on up, just became so involved with the game, buying the merchandise, boys and girls, men and women, just all, all interested in it. I mean, we saw when we were doing the charity event at Retro City Games, just how much of an influence Fortnite has, people going ahead and wearing the merchandise. Halloween, it was one, it was the biggest seller out there. And the item for Halloween that was most requested was Fortnite material. I mean, it just to me, there was nothing bigger in 2018 from a pop culture standpoint than Fortnite. Yeah, they did a great job of bringing communities together that would never have really, uh, come together through other games like you have people of all different backgrounds and ethnicities and ages and genders like it's crazy how many people jumped on this and like because this isn't one of those games you can sit there and mindlessly play as we saw at that tournament down at retro city games like this is something that takes a lot of focus and skill so it's it's i don't know it's just it's so interesting to see something that i guess complicated bringing so many people together and it's of various ages too. Very We're talking good. about from the young, the, from the very young, and especially caught on with the younger crowd, but also to an older crowd as well. Right, right, yeah, and it, it's it's cool to see because like with video games is is it just goes to show the power of video games to bring people together. And Fortnite, you know, kind of tapped into that in a way that no one else really has. And I think that this could be a cool thing going forward, just to show that the potential is there and it would be a good marketing idea to kind of figure out how they got it. And that doesn't mean just create more battle Royale games. It means figure out what it is about battle Royale games and try to apply it to other forms of gaming. Or what it is about Fortnite that made it so successful and try to go ahead and duplicate that with other video games down the road. You're right. Absolutely right on that. What are your top prospects in pop culture for 2018? What are your, 
What are your top events or top news items that you think were the biggest things to hit pop culture in 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Thanks so much to everyone who appeared on today's program for voicing their opinions on the best in pop culture for 2018. If you have thoughts on the best in pop culture for 2018, let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Our good friend Rob McCallum of the Cosmic Crossfire did, and he just wanted to let everyone know his top pop culture moments, which included, at number five, Solo releasing to mixed reviews, casting doubt in Star Wars, Disney has five of the top 10 grossing films of 2018, and let's also not forget the fan backlash in 2018 that ignited a remake The Last Jedi campaign. Number four was superhero movies with Black Panther erasing any notion of spandex fatigue, Thanos erasing half the universe with just a quick snap, and just when there's little hope for more comic movies, Aquaman and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse come out showing the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't the only game in town. And of course, on top of all that, Stan Lee's legacy will last for decades as a result of everything going on now and moving forward with Marvel. Number three, in the gaming industry, one of the biggest years in gaming with titles that included God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, and Call of Duty Black Ops 4. But Telltale, Prima Games, and Bosky had very messy closures, and the issue of digital loot boxes faced real gambling concerns with certain countries really looking heavily into that serious issue for gamers. And let's not forget the big failures in Tomb Raider and Rampage that hit the silver screen, which unfortunately did not lift the curse for gaming-based movies. At number two, Along the same lines of what I was talking about earlier, Toys R Us closing, with big box stores shutting down forever, changing the way we all shop, acquire, and interact with toy makers. Once the biggest toy retailer in the world, Toys R Us is now no more, prompting us to wonder which retailer is next and will this trend ever go the other way, where brick and mortar shopping becomes popular once again. And number one in pop culture for Rob McCallum in 2018, was Guillermo del Toro getting some much-needed acclaim with The Shape of Water, Jodie Whittaker having stellar ratings and reviews as the first female Doctor Who, and finally, it's about time that John Luc Picard coming back to the world of Star Trek. And best of all for Rob McCallum, of course, is that two of his films, The Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and Kitty Origins Evolutions were finally released to the public, 
And if you get a chance, check it out today, robmccallumfilms.com on how to order it, or also as well, Netflix for Power of Grayskull. That's it for Rob McCallum's top five pop culture moments in 2018, or at least how he, Rob McZob, of the Cosmic Crossfire sees it. Thanks so much to Rob and everyone else on today's show for sharing their thoughts on the top five in pop culture for 2018. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great 